This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big game day edition today as the Jets finish up this road trip in Carolina to take on the powerhouse hurricane. Should be a great one tonight. David Riddick will get the start. Big save, Dave. Looking to uh, keep things rolling after Connor Hellebuck starred on the weekend in the back-to-back wins over the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Lots to get to in today's program. And listen, we only have seen the Carolina Hurricanes once, and this is a team that, frankly, doesn't get on television very much, but they are one of the top teams in the National Hockey League, and it's a great opportunity today to talk a little bit about the home team. And Trip Tracy, one of the Canes broadcasters and a great friend of the program, is going to jump on for a few minutes. First up today, to sort of help us set up this tilt tonight, Huge concerns about Andrei Svechnikov's injury, how serious it is. We'll try and get the latest on that from Trip, as well as some of the other storylines heading into tonight's game. And then we'll stay out in Carolina. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press will make his weekly visit, talk about his weekend, both watching some hockey and some baseball, as he and Ken uh, making some uh, great usage of their time on the road, um, as well as get Mike's thoughts on you know, how what the two wins on the weekend um, have done for the Winnipeg Jets, as well as look ahead to these next couple games against two of the best teams in the National Hockey League, Carolina tonight. And then, of course, the big Thursday night home game against the Boston Bruins. And that will be the main focus today. But we've got a great opportunity to welcome in a good friend of the program and uh, a guy that's done a lot in this city for this city. And of course is from this city. That is Andrew Harris, three consecutive gray cup wins. We'll talk to him a little bit about last year with the Argos, the gray cup re-signing with the Argos and what's coming up after his professional football career is finished. Um, so we'll have that for you later on in the program. Really looking forward to that. Um, Let's just quickly give a quick uh, thank you to the sponsors. Shout out to Princess Auto, Cool Vet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Canadian Club, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp. And speaking of Consolidated Supply, big shout out to our pal Joe, who... uh, normally listening to WST at work, but uh, sent us a message on Twitter last night that he was kicking back, I believe, in Mexico with a little WST passing his time on holidays. Shout out to everyone that's still keeping tabs on what's happening back in the peg if you're out in some warmer climates right now. Um, Let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus. Big one tonight and uh, lots to get to, especially coming out of yesterday's show, which... I mean, I just have to say, first off, thanks for all the feedback on uh, yesterday's program and our segment with Jeff Hamilton. Um, Hammer and I went at it pretty good on a couple of topics, in particular, Connor Hellebuck's future. Um, But it was very interesting to see the feedback from so many people, Um, you know, very split on sort of what side of the argument you were on. And uh, I got to give a shout out to Jeff, because maybe as much as any guest on the program, he and I... uh, 
can, uh, what do they say on first take, embrace debate. And um, anyways, a lot of great feedback, regardless of which side of the argument you're on. If you missed it, certainly suggest going back and checking out yesterday's show during more of the second half of the interview with Jeff Hamilton. Let's get Remus in here. Remo, what's going on? Yeah, just for anyone who missed it, you and Jeff talking about Connor Hellbuck's future. Should the Jets re-sign him? And would he sign in in Winnipeg? So uh, check that on yesterday's show, and I'll, I'll probably post that as a video tomorrow morning. But I'm ready. I don't think we're in biggest game of the year territory like we were on on Saturday and uh, last week. But um, I think every game right now, as Dave Poulin said yesterday, you're kind of in a playoff mode, and the Jets want to get in you know, playing well heading into the playoffs. Um, and a big one in Carolina. You can finish up the road trip. So I am looking forward to tonight. And then we'll have another big one on Thursday. What a murderer's row here of teams. But, you know, lucky for the Jets that they're catching Carolina at a time where they haven't scored in two games. And now Andre Svechnikov, their top goal scorer, um, there's questions about his injury and if he's going to be out the entire season. That is a horrible, horrible news for the Hurricanes. We'll hear more about it later with Trip, But... Uh, looking forward to seeing the Jets if they can keep it keep it rolling here tonight. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, I'll give you, and obviously we'll get more on this from uh, from Mike. Uh, but he and Ken uh, were there this morning for the morning skate, and great news: Josh Morrissey was on the ice this morning for the Jets. So um, he's a game time decision. I, I think it's safe to say. I'm not sure you can should put his name in the lineup in pen right now. Um, but he'll certainly want to be out there with his team. And if he is able to, we'll play tonight. Um, but the bottom line, Remo, this is great news. I mean, as big as the win and the two points was on Saturday, uh, I think it was a little bit muted by fans. Uh, listen, the first and foremost, there was the relief of getting the two points, just winning a damn game. But combined with the fact that leaving, I mean, after hearing Rick Bonus describe both Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey as very, very doubtful for the game next day. Uh, I think there was some real concern that both of those players could have been lost long-term for the Winnipeg Jets. Lowry came back, had a monster game along with Barron and Appleton on that Winnipeg Jet third line. Uh, Dylan Samber came back in, acquitted himself very, very well in the lineup. But we all know how brilliant Josh Morrissey's been today and how much better he makes the Winnipeg Jets and how much head coach Rick Bonus leans on him. So if he's able to go tonight, uh, I would say that is absolutely best-case scenario considering where we were on Saturday night. And it should be a big boost for the Winnipeg Jets going up against a hell of a team in the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're good. They've been trying to go you know, far in the playoffs for years. They keep getting getting bounced. And talk about Carolina was at the deadline, you know, they really didn't acquire any major pieces. Their big acquisitions were Shane Gossesbury, who's playing on the third-pairing D, and Jesse Pugliarvi, it was a reclamation project, and you know, they lost Max Pacioretty to another Achilles injury. He was supposed to be the guy to come in and give them scoring. You know, they've had a breakout season of Marty Natchez, us, who's you pointed out to me before we started. He is leading the team in scoring. Um, you know, him him and Aho are their are their leaders now with Svechnikov out, and you know, Brent Burns I thought was a nice trade, but you know, they didn't really replace that loss of Pacioretty, and you know, they didn't have him last year, and they you know they got bounced early in the playoffs, and, I mean, everyone else loading up, Boston, Toronto, I'm not sure if Carolina did enough to keep pace with those teams. Well, I mean, I think they believe in the team that they have, and I don't think they necessarily thought that they had massive, massive needs, although 
they were very much in on the Timo Meyer deal. I mean, I think they realized Timo Meyer, if they could make that happen, um, you know, would certainly give them a better shot. But I mean, outside of a player like that, that they were reportedly in on, um, this is a pretty damn good team and pretty deep right now. Um, you know, they've got a really, really balanced, uh, balanced scoring um, uh, distribution of the club. They've got a hell of a blue line. Um, the big question really was the goaltending. But when you look at the three goaltenders that have all played over 20 games, which in itself is somewhat rare, um, you know, all three of them have a goals against in between, well, 225 for Kachetkov, the rookie, who is 11-5-5 with four shutouts and a 915 save percentage. Antti Ranta's held it down when he's been in. 907, but a 232 in 23 games. And I think Freddie Anderson, who's really thought to be the number one guy, um, ironically, the worst numbers, although still relatively good, certainly passable, 904 save percentage, 238, and 16 and 7. Um, the other thing that the Carolina Hurricanes have that I think many teams, including the Winnipeg Jets, hope that they can match and replicate is a level of relentlessness on the forecheck that really, really does give teams problems. Um, we've seen that in the past here in Winnipeg. Although, you know, unlike last year where the Jets were completely dominated at home by the Canes, um, you know, the Jets had, but I, that was the weird game where they gave up the three empty netters and ended up still winning in net. And if I'm not mistaken, I was at the World Cup at that time, Remo, but that was a big save Dave game, was it not? Yeah, the Jets, you know, it's, I mentioned this last week, that the Jets, you know, with Dave's in net, it was like three against Carolina empty Eccles and the one against San Jose last weekend. We are getting a Dave uh, Redditch game. So, I mean, the, the Jets, look, the way they played Carolina at home early in the season was great, aside from those final, you know, minutes. It was, was good, like 55-minute game, and you hope you can replicate, uh, you know, replicate that performance. But for a full 60 this time, and Freddie Anderson, the likely... Likely starter. Yeah, they have three really good goalies. Like it's amazing. Uh, Kochetkov and the AHL. He scored against the Moose. Was it last week or two weeks ago? I mean, he's been awesome. I did pick him up in, in fantasy when he was in, and I mean, he's got amazing numbers. Anderson, when healthy, has been good. And I think it's a question of health because I think both of them were hurt last year. Or, or Ranta and Anderson both have known to have injury problems. So uh, that'll be something to watch as you go on. But I think I think Anderson's the guy if he's hundred percent. Yeah, um, so anyways, we'll talk more about that with Trip for a few minutes before Mike joins us for the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, just a little bit more from this morning. Uh, Morrissey did stay out for some extra time uh, on the ice after uh, the morning skate. Um, and, you know, Ken wrote that it's not clear if he'll be returning or if the Jets may take some extra caution and give him another few days before he returns. I think he was just working through it, seeing how he was feeling um, but Rick Bonus did confirm that he's going to be a game-time decision. What's interesting, Reem, is that according to the head coach, if J-Mo can't go, it's going to be Kyle Capabianco going in. And I think that would indicate that in all likelihood, Logan Stanley's probably the odd guy out. Certainly Dylan Sandberg, I thought, really acquitted himself well in the game that he played last week or uh, last time out against the uh, the Lightning. Yeah, um, so Morrissey, game-time decision. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. But um, I, I speculated a couple weeks ago. Like I was wondering if we've seen you know Logan Stanley passed on the depth chart. Um, Dylan Sandberg, I think, for sure has. I'm, I don't know if he's going to be a healthy scratch anymore. 
the season. Well, he's step- I just let me just quickly interrupt. I mean, certainly in the minds of I think most fans, and I mean, you just expressed that it was important to note that he had missed the two games before in favor of Logan Stanley. Now, I, I think it has to do more with some of the matchups that they were going up against, sort of the bigger, heavier teams. Um, but listen, with the way that Sandberg played coming back into that game, playing with Dylan DeMello in some big minutes. Now, I, I know a lot of people referred to him as being on the top pair. I mean, for the game amongst defensemen, he was the fifth player when it came to uh, when it came to ice time. But the sixth player was Logan Stanley. And there were a number of times, including significant shorthanded time that Sandberg was out there ahead of Stanley. So I think it's I think it's a correct assumption that Sandberg is back maybe above Stanley in the depth chart based on that performance. But it's hard to really count on anything from week to week or even game to game considering the way that those two have been used, especially in the past month. I think you're down to games that you got to win. You play the best lineup, and I think it's clear that uh, Sandberg has passed Stanley, at least in the coach's eyes. If you can come in after being a healthy scratch and overtake him in ice time and play in those key situations, it seems like that's the guy. And Kyle Capobianco, I mean, all he's done is played well when called upon. And yeah, they don't want to, I think this might be a case they don't want him to sit for too long. It, you know, his turn to come up and he scored uh, the last time he was in, then got sick, kind of got a raw deal there. Because we were saying, well, would he play again? And Rick Bonus, or sorry, Mike McNair well, would he would he be in if he was healthy? And Rick Bonus is like, ha I don't, I don't have to go there, Mike. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and so, I mean, good for him, Hussey. I think he's earned more playing time than he's gotten this year. I will say this. I'm not sure that that illness of Coppa Bianco, not to be a big tinfoil hat Whoa. conspiracy theorist, Whoa. but I'm, uh, if the situation was different, I'm not sure that he wouldn't have been back into the line. I was, um, I was going like, to say, if, like, it wasn't, if he wasn't in for Nate Schmidt, who was the healthy scratch, and they were very clearly saying that, uh, I'm not sure he would have Whoa. been back in there. But to your point, um, Capo Bianco's been solid when he's been okay. in. Um, Jets conspiracy theories? You think that he wasn't actually ill after scoring a goal? I was actually thinking that too. I was like, well, if I, if I was him, I wouldn't tell people I was sick. Like, how would they know? Only play like 11 games. I want to get back out there. Yeah, so. wants to get back in. Wow. Oh, man. I mean, or maybe it was just they were going to make that decision. It was easier to say that, you know, he wasn't feeling up to it. And that is oh. why when Mike asked the question, he sort of, well, we don't have to think about that. Let's move on next. Uh, hey. Wow. Uh, um, you think the Jets but, would lie about that? You're trying to say a professional <laughs> hockey coach yeah. might be less than completely forthcoming with the media? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Listen, I'm sure I'm sure it's happened once or twice in recorded history. Just saying. Um, anyways, listen, if Capobianco does come in tonight, if they do keep Morrissey out, um, if anything, that I think is the piece of information from bonus speaking to your point of where Logan Stanley is on the depth chart, that we're not even talking about Dylan Sandberg. And if Morrissey's out, Capobianco comes in. And I think Capobianco probably fills more of the holes, I mean, obviously, Josh Morrissey is at a, at a level that none of the Jet defensemen are really going to come in and do everything that he does. Um, but it does show that they've got some confidence in Capo Bianco with what he's done so far this season and will be that guy. Um, and then, of course, going with Dave tonight. Um, certainly, I think that projects that we'll see Connor Hellebuck on Thursday. 
Um, and when you look at the Jets' schedule room over the course of the next week, if Dave is playing tonight, Helly's playing on uh, Thursday, you've got this afternoon game against Nashville on Saturday and then a Sunday night game against the St. Louis Blues. Um, I would suggest that the door is certainly open to run Hellebuck for those three games, I mean, depending on how things go. And if that is the case... Um, you do have the Arizona Coyotes coming in for that single game next Monday here in Winnipeg. Um, so maybe that would be Big Save Dave's next start. Bottom line is, though, they're going to want to get Hellebuck into these high leverage games. Um, and the Nashville game on Saturday afternoon, considering where they are and who's behind them right now, might be the most high leverage game of them all. I'm pretty sure he'll play there. And then I guess they'll have the decision to make whether they run him again. Um, he's 3-0 and in playing back-to-backs in the second game of back-to-backs this year. So um, the result speaks for themselves. He has not been hampered by that. And that just goes back to um, more of the accolades. We were talking about Hellebuck and why he's been so important to the Winnipeg Jets and why we expect to see him get a ton of playing time as we get down the stretch until everything is probably wrapped up Hopefully they can do that with a couple games left in the season, and then maybe you can give him a little bit more rest before he takes to the ice for pretty much every significant minute of playoff hockey that the Jets hope to play. Yeah, I'm not too surprised here. We got Riddich going tonight. You had Hellebuck in the back-to-back. Give him a rest before the big game against Boston. I don't think you can play him every game. You're going to want to maximize uh, his output and, and pick the spots. And you've already banked two out of three on the road trip. You consider it a win. And I think you go go with Dave, and then you go with Hellbuck against Boston, against Nashville. And, uh, you know, it's kind of it's a tough spot here for the Jets where you're playing three non-playoff teams in a row with or teams that aren't battling for a playoff spot in St. Louis, Arizona, Anaheim. I don't think you're going to be starting Riddich in two of the three. Um, maybe you start him in St. Louis and Ana- Anaheim, and Hellbuck starts Arizona. I don't know their plan. Maybe it depends on how many you win or lose, but... Um, that's an interesting stretch there because you have one back-to-back and then two more next week, Tuesday at home, Arizona. I, I think maybe would put Riddich in Thursday at Anaheim just because of the time change. Time zones. Are we going yeah. down? Are we are we going on a time yeah. zone now? <laughs> I think they like to give the backup the harder game. They always give the backup the second or the back-to-back, and you know it's a road game, and you put, put Hellbuck Saturday afternoon against the Kings. I'm not sure how they're going to divvy it up here going forward, but it is a, a, you know, we talk about how hard this stretch was here with Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Boston. Well, then you have next week, St. Louis, Arizona, uh, Anaheim. You play LA, who's in a playoff, you know, firmly, but then you got San Jose and Detroit who are both out. So funny, the first half of the month or second week is pretty tough here with, you know, but then it kind of eases up, not saying that they're easy games, but you're playing teams that aren't in the playoff spot. And at the end of the season where you got San Jose again, you got another against Nashville. Those two Nashville games are going to be huge, and that game against Calgary uh, on the fifth as well. So, um, we'll we'll keep an eye on the goalie workloads. That's something uh, you know. That's a daily conversation. Well, here. listen, if if Hellebuck's playing, to, sorry, if Dave's playing tonight, I think we can count on Hellebuck against Boston. I think we can count on Hellebuck against Nashville, um, and I wouldn't at all be surprised if he actually played again against St. Louis. Then Dave can get the home game against Arizona next Tuesday. Hellebuck would have three days off, and then you play him again against Anaheim. You play him against L.A., 
And then there's two days off before the San Jose game. And then another two days off before the home game against the Detroit Red Wings. So they'll certainly have some options when it comes to, um, you know, when they want to rest um, Connor Hellebuck, because really the schedule with the exception of the back-to-back games in against San Jose at home and then in Minnesota in the final week of the season. Other than that, um, you know, you've got multiple days in between, I want to say about three of the games. So listen, if they can clinch their playoff spot before that final week, I think maybe you might even give Dave a couple of those games in the final week. Um, but listen, Hellebuck is going to be the guy that's going to get him there. And, you know, as we look at the standings today, as much as, I mean, you still have to be very, very, you have to keep your eye on first and foremost on the Calgary Flames and the Nashville Predators. The Jets' two wins on the weekend very quickly took them from the verge of being in a dead heat with Calgary if they could get on a little bit bit of a roll to right there with some of the other teams. I mean, the Jets are one point behind the Edmonton Oilers. They're two points behind the Seattle Kraken, who lost last night to the Dallas Stars. And the Avalanche are in there at 80 after they're crushing a Montreal last night. Colorado does have two games in hand. So if you give them even one of those two games, they're at 82 a little bit up. But the bottom line is it's still really, really close. And... You know, I'm not even sure how much it matters, you know, if you're in the third place in your division or if you're one of the wild card spots, just because of how generally even it is from the bottom wild card. I mean, right now, the Jets are in the second wild card. Vegas is in first, and there's nine points separating all eight teams in the playoffs right now. So first and foremost, it's get in. And the sooner that they can get into a position, and obviously this isn't going to be for a while, or they are fully confident that they're in the playoffs, I think then you get the option maybe to give uh, Big Save Dave a little bit more work. All that, though, is in the future. Um, let's uh, talk about this game tonight. I do think that David Riddick, you know, considering what happened in, uh, you know, with the first goal against San Jose and the way that the game ended, uh, as well as his previous start, um, I think he'd love nothing more than to come up with a real strong performance and help his team get a win and... Uh, can't believe we're even talking about the possibility of this, but sweep this road trip. All right, Trip Tracy coming up in just a second. Got to give a big shout out to our friends over at Manitoba Battery, Donnie and the gang, the go-to folks for all things batteries here in Manitoba at the best prices with the best service in town. Whether you need a battery for your car, your truck, or that summer toy you're working on in advance of the snow melting, Manitoba Battery has the best prices in town and will bring them to you same day. That's right. Give them a phone call at 783-8787 or order online at manitobabattery.com around the lunch hour or even early into Winnipeg Sports Talk. And uh, that battery will be delivered to you in two to four hours at a better price than you'd get at the big box stores. Yeah, don't waste your time driving and finding a parking spot at Costco or standing in line in Canadian Tire. Shop local, get the best price in town, and have it delivered to you by Manitoba Battery. That's right. It's that simple. Let Manitoba Battery take care of things for you online at manitobabattery.com. And as I mentioned, 1026 Logan Avenue if you want to pop by and see Donnie and his great staff in person. 
Well, I mentioned a shout out to our pal Joe over from Consolidated Supply. Um, taking a little bit of time off right now because things are about to get busy over at Consolidated Supply. With golf season just around the corner, they are the leaders in both golf cars, irrigation services, and artificial turf. It can also help you out at your spot, whether it be uh, for putting that dream putting green in the backyard or irrigation help to make sure that lawn looks like, uh, well, maybe looks like at a fairway at some of the uh, great golf courses in Manitoba, the Consolidated Supply serves. And speaking of that backyard, find out more on incredible hot tub and spa options, as well as beautiful outdoor kitchens, not to mention small engine parts, service, and supply. Consolidated Supply, 1395 Niagara Road East, and you can also check them out online at cte.ca. Um, still have room for a few more nominations for the Wallace and Wallace unsung hero in our community, along with our all-star defenseman, Josh Morrissey from the Winnipeg Jets. Send us an email, gang, of that person in your uh, life, in your neighborhood, that is doing incredible work for others, whether it be through extended volunteer hours, charity work, and more, or being that person that's counted on by those in need in and around the area, in your area and neighborhood when uh, when need arises. Send us, tell us about that person with an email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Wallace & Wallace will award a autographed Jets jersey from none other than Jets all-star defenseman Josh Morrissey to this month's Unsung Hero. And whoever nominates that Unsung Hero will have a $500 donation in their name made to the Dream Factory from Wallace and Wallace. And Josh and Margot Morrissey will match that as well. Um, again, Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. And just before we get to Trip Tracy... If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries in Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too, you need to get down to any one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores, family-owned and operated since 1936. St. Paddy's Day is coming up. If you want some great non-alcoholic options, they've got non-alcoholic craft beer and mocktails and some amazing snacks. And guys, with spring just around the corner, get ready for it with Ultimate Male Energy, formulated specifically for men over 35. Ultimate Male Energy is designed to help improve testosterone production, reduce excess body fat, build muscle tissue, maintain prostate health, and more. And it's on sale today at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right. Um, we're going to get Trip on the phone today. He obviously a very busy game day for the uh, the uh, broadcast team. But we appreciate Trip Tracy. It's Hustler in Winnipeg. How are you, my friend? Hustler, what's going on? Well, what's going on is uh, we're fired up for a pretty uh, daunting test for the Winnipeg Jets after they uh, passed the first two on this road trip. Um. Big wins when they really needed them against the Lightning and the Panthers. And we were kind of mentioning that the degree of difficulty for the Jets over the schedule continues to rise. And what a challenge tonight against a Canes team that has been really one of the classes, the class teams in the NHL all year long. That being said, Trip, it hasn't been smooth sailing lately. A uh, bit of a power outage for the Canes. Uh, two straight shutouts. What's going on with, uh, with the club that you follow so closely? Well, Hustler, great to hear your voice. Um, I, 
you know, it's the Hurricanes are entrenched in some major adversity right now. Um, on the weekend against Vegas and, and New Jersey, I actually thought they played two pretty decent games, um, better than actually a couple of their previous wins last week uh, against Montreal and Philadelphia. Uh, but they, they couldn't find the back of the net on Jonathan Quick and then um, Vanacek in, in New Jersey. The chances were there. Um, the well has gone dry uh, recently for some guys they count on for offense and They've gotten production from their back end all year. You know, they've been a balanced group. Um, I, I wasn't overly concerned, um, you know, coming out of the two games. Of course, you wanted to win the the, the game against New Jersey uh, based upon a division race where I think there will be a particular carrot to who wins the Metro this year. Um, so that was disappointing. Uh, but when I looked at their game, I, I, overall game, there were some things they beat themselves a little bit uh, in ways they don't typically do so against the Devils. But their overall game, even getting shut out twice in a row, I didn't mind it. You know, obviously, um, last night, this morning, woke up to, you know, the, the gut punch of all gut punches with what appears to be a long-term injury to, to Andrei Sveshnikov, who means so much to this team. Um, so just absorbing that. And you've got the Winnipeg Jets here. So, this is um, this is major adversity for a team that has been massively resilient all year long. I think uh, Hustler about you know this string of what will be five consecutive playoff appearances. The first one, uh, they were they played the defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals at the time went down two nothing, lost Feshnikov in that series and came back and won, and beat the Islanders and went to the conference final. They're a much better team now than they were then. So. They, they have the ability to get through this adversity um, in the final stretch of the regular season. They're just going to need all 20 guys. It's just that simple. Uh, Trip, you mentioned Svechnikov. I mean, he is such a, a, a brilliant player and such a big part of the um, Canes' offensive attack. Um, we've heard about the fears. What can you tell us about the injury? I mean, what happened? And um, is there anything positive to report or are they worried that that might be it for the entire year and potentially playoffs for one of their most important players? Yeah. The, well, it, it was really a harmless play. That's the, the toughest. I mean, there's nothing that isn't immensely tough with regards to the pill to swallow, but both Max patch ready back in January and, and Andre seemingly harmless plays. I mean, for Max, it was at the end of a game, on the goal line, on the power play, and towards Achilles for the second time. And Andre just lost an edge coming through the neutral zone in the second period Saturday night, uh, a rut, an edge, whatever it was. Um, and he, gosh, he, he came back in the third period and tried to play. Just an astoundingly tough hockey player. Uh, I, I don't know the full conclusion at this point in time. I do fear the worst. Um, and... Uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I think that they're gathering as many opinions as possible before making an announcement. Uh, he is, he means everything to this team uh, with regards to goal scoring. Yes. Playmaking uh, the, the heaviness and the elite power forward that he is uh, that they don't have a ton of up front. Um, so this would be a, a, a huge hole to fill huge. I mean, it's, it, that's why it's the gut punch of all gut punches. Um, we'll wait word on, uh, on the extent of it. But like I said, I do fear the worst. Um, and 
they still have the they still have the weaponry, but there's just it, it, there will not be any room for any passengers. They'll have to get great goaltending. Their power play is going to have to be uh, elite. Their kill has been elite, and um, and if, if they bond together, they starting with an unbelievably stiff opponent tonight, they can still be successful. Trip Tracy's with us, Hurricanes analyst before puck drop tonight in a rally between the Jets and Hurricanes. Uh, you know, we, like I'm sure you guys did, obsessed over the trade deadline for the, the weeks leading into it with all of the big moves, especially made in the East. And Timo Meyer was a player we talked a lot here in Winnipeg that sort of was the 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 prime prize on the market. Um, the Canes were reportedly involved. The Jets were involved. He ended up going to New Jersey and what was interesting, Trip, was that, you know, the Canes, I'm not sure whether this was just not seeing the right deal or having that much confidence in the players that they have in their lineup. But like the Jets made, you know, a couple of additions, but not to the extent of Amaya with Puyarvi and Gostaspare coming around. It surprised some because of the loss of Pacioretty. Maybe it's even more punitive now with the, with the potential of not having Svechnikov, but what was the what was the uh, I guess the thought process from Don Waddell and Kane's management um, to not take that big swing with everyone else in the East doing it, especially considering pretty much of all of those teams, the Canes are by far in the best situation when it comes to salary cap and having their own draft picks still under their own control. Well, you know, chronologically, Hustler, my strong conviction is that. The Hurricanes uh, had a targeted approach. They wanted to be more aggressive. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they made an extremely fair offer. Who knows? Maybe even better than the one that uh, Mike Greer and Tom Fitzgerald worked out for the trade between San Jose and New Jersey of Timo Meyer. And it didn't go. Um, and, you know, once you make what I feel very confident in saying was a very fair offer, um, you, you cannot just all of a sudden become reactionary and, you know, go for someone that you didn't target. Um, because I, I think then you go from being in a position of strength to a position of weakness. Uh, the moment that you get reactionary, Don said at the time, you pay attention to what everybody else is doing, but you don't react to it. What they then did is they, you know, they need help on their power play. Uh, as many assets as they possibly can have. Um, and they acquire Shane Goss's bear. Uh, I liked that acquisition. Um, and he started on fire with a couple of power play goals in his first two games. But I think he can be serviceable in your third defensive pairing. They're really missing Jalen Chatfield on that pair right now. But with the top four, not only the excellence, but the, the heavy load that those four guys and Slave and Burns, Shea and Pesci can consume on a nightly basis. I think that Gossett Spare can be serviceable and then hopefully can, you know, it's going to be critical to, before the Sveshnikov injury and now to match the top power plays in the East. Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, at the time, again, pre-Svechnikov injury. Here's a player that Sebastian Ajo, who won a World Junior Championship, would have uh, endorsed to the ends of the earth. Um, he's your superstar centerman. Um, when he, he's earned the respect with me for appropriate reasons, when he believes in someone, I think it's worth seeing if he can take a step in his career. I actually did like Pugliarvi with Ajo and Jarvis 
they were their best line Sunday against New Jersey. That all changes now, and you're really going to need Yesapuyarvi. But when I look back at the deadline, I do think I, I think it's a it's not the appropriate narrative to say that the Hurricanes didn't swing because they swung. It just didn't work. And then once that didn't work, I think that um, if they went after, it's like me, you know, going after the woman of my dreams and then she shuts me down and, and all of a sudden going for, you know, somebody else that, you know, I'm settling. Uh, so that's my reaction to it. And I do think, especially the Gosses fair edition, um, I, I think they addressed what was their most pressing need. They still are not a heavy team up front and lack pure finishing pre and post Fetchnikov. Well, the one thing I'll say about both the moves that Kevin Sheveldayoff made with the Jets as well as the ones that the Canes made, um, they filled a couple holes and added to their team at value prices compared to what was paid by some of their counterparts, in, uh, especially in the East in that arms race that we saw building heading into the Friday deadline. Um you know, and I guess this is probably a guy that would be the answer to the question of who's really going to need to step up if Sveshnikov is out long-term. Seth Jarvis comes to the top of the list, and I had to ask you about the Winnipeg native, how he continues to blossom into an everyday NHLer, had that great rookie season. Um, Tell us about where his game is at right now, how his season's gone, and what they're going to be counting on him to do going forward, Trip. Well, it's a... It- I mean, I guess the, the, the broad answer to the question is, like I said earlier, Hustle, they are going to need absolutely everybody, period. Uh, they can't have any passengers. One of the guys that they're going to need is, is Jarvis. The guy that I think they're going to need more than anybody to have the best stretch of his NHL career is Tavo Teravainen um, because he'll slide into that power play spot for Svechnikov. And he's had an up-and-down year. He's always been a clutch player. I think they're going to need him to have the, the best couple of months that he's had in the NHL. And he has historically played one clutch moments. Seth Jarvis, when we were in Winnipeg, I, I love the kid. I absolutely love him. And, uh, you know, after a great year last year, uh, he, he struggled out of the gate. I did an interview with him before the game against the Jets in November. And I loved how candid he was. He said, hey, listen, I'm learning what a tough league this is. He didn't hide from it. He eventually crashed through the sophomore wall that countless very good players uh, have to crash through, and he's had an excellent year. Uh, he is uh, he's so fearless. Brent Burns uh, compared him to a slinky to me last week, you know, how elusive he is and plays so much bigger than his size offensively. I would actually argue on their current roster – that Seth Jarvis, he's offensively challenged like everybody else in these recent games. But you could make an argument that Seth Jarvis has the most pure finishing ability on the roster. Um, It's been a gradual build. His month in February was his best month. He had a hat trick in there against the Montreal Canadiens on Cam Ward Hall of Fame night. Um, I I would count on Seth Jarvis – I would have said down the road and being a support piece uh, that he will be a money player um, because I think he loves the moment. I think he has a great loosey-goosey attitude about him that's that's very, very important, but that's coupled with self-belief. I think he has a desire to get better every day. Brett Burns in particular has been an unbelievable mentor for him. They have a really good relationship. But now Seth is going to have to be a guy that is one of the primary producers. Carolina 
has had balance and, and contributions throughout their lineup all year long and production from the blue line. But Seth Jarvis, no doubt about it, will be counted on immensely now. And I would not be surprised if he grabs the moment. I just have, I have major belief in him as a, as a fearless player, a finisher. But more importantly, I, I, I love the, the combination of lightheartedness yet competitiveness that is um, something that I think is going to benefit him when the games matter most. Trip, uh, you mentioned Brett Burns. I've got to ask you about the offseason acquisitions of two veteran players, Brent Burns on the blue line and uh, our old pal Paul Stastny, who signed with the Canes as well. I mean, there's a lot of young talent on this team. How have these veterans helped the team have the season that they've had up until this point? Well, Burns is um, the first couple months, you know, he's been in a, a place, a, one place in San Jose a long time. He, he chose to come to Carolina, which was a huge feather in the cap of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, and he, he, he showed up here right away. I mean, I, I always knew about the, uh, the outdoorsman Brent Burns is, the uh, fitness fanatic that he is, obviously his skill set, Norris Trophy winner. Um, but his full investment in the game on a daily basis, his appreciation and knowledge of the history of the game – He's just been a terrific addition. The first couple months, I thought he was solid, um, you know, but the biggest adjustment systematically and uh, offensive zone face-off plays, the power play, uh, was, is certainly for a defenseman in Carolina. There was a learning curve. He has been super uh, in 2023. And because I think he's turned his brain off in making all those mental systematic adjustments, he's playing much, much faster. He's going to be a majorly counted upon uh, quarterback of his power play unit if the groups stay the way they are uh, to do what that power play needs to accomplish that has failed them in the last couple of playoffs. That's one thing that can get better for that entire power play, and, and, and it's been very good recently until this past weekend. So it's been trending nicely, um, but Brett Burns has had an outstanding year. Uh, Paul Stastny started slow, uh, and then I thought, had a two or three month stretch here where he's been very, very solid. Um, such a great pro, such a great thinker of the game. I'm not telling you any of the things that you don't know. Um, he is going to be out of the lineup tonight. Jack Drury was recalled from Chicago, gives him a little, a little bit more speed on that fourth line. But um, Paul Stastny, uh, I think has been a, a very, very solid contributor has scored some big goals at critical times and uh, watching Almost the anonymous way that, that he prepares each and every day, each and every day, or has certainly very uh, positively caught my attention. Trip, it's so great to have you on the program. Just before we go, one of the things that really stands out when you dig into the numbers of the Canes, for such an elite team that's been at the top of their division all year long, you don't usually see three goaltenders used Almost equally. I mean, 21 games for Kachetkov, 23 for Ranta, who's day-to-day right now, 24 for Freddie. Um, how does the goaltending landscape look for the Canes going into the playoffs? Is there a clear-cut guy that'll be the guy in game number one of the postseason? And um, how do you see that all playing out? Yeah, if they're going to have success, uh, all three have been excellent. But if they're going to have success, this has got to be a, a central part of the narrative. simply has to be that this is Freddie Anderson's time, that this is his time, A, to stay healthy, 
and B, to carry over regular season excellence into the playoffs. Kochetkov, Pyotr Kochetkov has an extremely bright future. Extremely bright. I thought Don Waddell signed him to an excellent deal that we'll look back upon uh, in very complimentary fashion. Good for Kochetkov, too. Gives him some stability, but it's a four-year deal that kicks in after this year. Ranta, all he's done is, is win. Uh, he, you know, he, he's had some trouble staying healthy, but he's put together just an outstanding winning streak. Um, but when I look at the big picture, um, again, you know, with the Sveshnikov injury, having lost Pacioretty in January, um, a, a, a natural and realistic concern of where the goal is going to come from, although they have scored all year, um, they're going to need a goaltender that is uh, going to constantly outplay, or at least a good percentage of the time, uh, is going to outplay the guy at the other end. You know, I was talking to Mark Chipman, uh, just love Mark Chipman, the hockey man that he is, a few hours ago, just to bring myself up to speed on the Jets, because I haven't seen him since November. And I asked, you know, what are the things that have struck you most about the Jets? And like he did when we were there in November, he pointed right to Connor Hellebuck. You know, there are many other positives. And, you know, uh, wanted to talk to him about my buddy, my buddy Nino Niederreiter and, he, you know, the acquisitions in Niederreiter and Nemestikov. But, you know, the Hurricanes are going to need Freddie. Freddie has the capabilities to go toe-to-toe with the elite goaltenders in hockey and be the better guy. And if Carolina is going to write a really resilient script down the stretch into the playoffs, it's got to be Freddie Anderson, in my opinion. Trip, I got to tell you, it is so great to talk to you again. We had so many great con- uh, conversations back on our old station, and uh, it's great to see you doing so well, my friend. Uh, be well. Enjoy this game tonight. And uh, got to tell you, I think there's a few people that'll be pulling for the Canes once things get going in the East come playoff time. Thanks for doing this. Hustler, love you. It was great to see uh, the, the 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 facial uniqueness of Gary Lawless the other night. Thinking back uh, when Vegas was in town, thinking back to all of our great hot stoves uh, over the years. And um, I'm uh, I've always made no bones about the fact because of my love for Mark Chipman, I am a uh, a definite Winnipeg Jets fan. Have a great one, Trip. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, sir. Great stuff. There is Trip Tracy. Um, you know, he uh, <clears throat> honestly one of the most genuine um, cats we've met over the course of uh, having the privilege of doing this for uh, for so long. Uh, I remember the first time he came on with Gary and myself, and I was just blown away by his energy. And um, he, uh, you know, he very publicly said that he was going through some uh, some issues um, last year, I guess, and um, now. Um, just doing doing great, sober, and uh, continuing to kill it with the Canes broadcast. A real inspirational dude, and uh, great to have him on the program. All right, Mike McIntyre, still to come from Carolina. We'll hear from Bones in just a second. Um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing the game on Thursday when we're back at home. See whether we're going to see any 62 jerseys. I actually contemplated getting one. Nino Niederreiter has been that great of addition to the Winnipeg Jets. Might need to get one of those uh, 62s. And when I do, you know where we're going to be doing it? Over at Royal Sports. The ultimate hockey and sports superstore where Jet fans can get geared up in uh, all the jerseys, names, number, whoever you're looking for. 
They'll take care of you for it. And beyond just jerseys, um, thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, including many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. While you're at it, check out the huge bomber section, as well as massive, massive NHL stock from teams, not the Winnipeg Jets, not to mention NFL, Major League Baseball and Blue Jays, NBA and Raptors, international soccer, and the best hockey selection in town from equipment to goalie equipment to skates and sticks. And don't forget, if you're going to hit the hills come spring break, a huge snowboard boots and binding section waiting for you as well. Royal Sports, 750 Pamina Highway. Check them out online at Royal Sports Pamina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Uh, speaking of wardrobe, maybe not necessarily in the jersey category, but fellas, if you're looking to up your menswear game, uh, only one place you need to go, and that is F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Best selection of men's apparel, custom made to fit, is right downtown at F. The entire process is real easy. I know Remo's popping up to pick up a new suit tomorrow. And um, really, you go down there, let them know what color you're looking for, check out some of the fabrics, and uh, get fitted up. And the next uh, couple weeks later, you got a beautiful brand new suit at a great price. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks. They also have custom shirts to be worn both tucked and untucked. Uh, we've also got um, an incredible selection of, of accessories. It's all there. By the way, if you're in a wedding party, make sure to talk to them about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. And if you've got a 2023 grad getting ready to finish up high school, get the young man a new suit to transition into the new stage of his life. And F Apparel will include a free custom shirt and tie valued at around 150 bucks. F Apparel, again, 190 Smith Street downtown. F-E-P-H Apparel online. You can make an appointment there. And hey, one more road game before the team comes back home. Might be a great night to gather the crew and head on down to Boston Pizza, your home for away game Winnipeg Jets action. Have some fun with the pick-a-player contest at your table with your friends to win some great prizes. And bottom line, Ice-cold schooners, world-famous Boston's wings, gourmet pizzas, and great new features on the seasonal menu. Boston Pizza, waiting for you tonight for the game. And hey, if you're staying home, you can always get the great taste of BP by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Mike's good to go. So we'll hear some of the audio from the Jets after we talk to Mike. Andrew Harris, still to come later on in the program for today's Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, uh, wow. You know, we had some fun talking about the shade of Kevin Sawyer's face during the broadcast on Sunday and uh, a little bit of a pink tinge to our good friend Mike McIntyre has been making the most of the sunshine, catching some baseball and, of course, watching some big wins for the Jets. Mike, how's the trip been so far? Some further travel misadventures, Huss. Uh, Weber and I ended up in Atlanta last night. Uh, the former home of the Winnipeg Jets slash Thrashers. We had, this is five road trips in a row for yours truly uh, that has involved at least one cancelled flight. Last night it was the the uh, Tampa Bay to Raleigh Direct. Uh, so we had to find a, an alternative way to get to Raleigh. So we flew to Atlanta last night, ended up staying overnight in Atlanta and then flying out first thing this morning to Raleigh and making it in time for uh, for Jets morning skate. So hopefully that 
is my one snafu out of the way on this trip and can make it home safely uh, and, and on time tomorrow from Raleigh. But yeah, it's been a great trip. I mean, we've, we've crammed a lot into this one, Huss. Uh, three spring training baseball games in three different Florida cities uh, in between two Winnipeg Jets hockey games and a Jets practice, a Jets morning skate. Um, I'll put it this way. I have not had a lot of sleep on this trip. Um, but hey, I'll, I'll catch up when I get home, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, just quickly before we get to the hockey, how are the Jays looking? Oh, they look tremendous. Uh, actually wrote a column in today's free press about the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, you know, it's interesting. This is a team that they had more fun than anyone last year. Folks who've tuned into Blue Jays games probably saw the shenanigans that often were going down in the dugout, you know, the home run jacket, which was a, a staple. It. Yeah. And they got rid of it. Huss. The, I know the, they've retired the jacket. It's all business they now. They are all business. Um, uh, that doesn't mean they're not going to have fun, but as I wrote in my piece today, there's nothing more fun than winning. And uh, these Jays uh, maybe hope a more mature approach uh, could result in, in some better on-field uh, success. I mean, it's hard to put any stock in spring training because, you know, just like the NHL where you, you sometimes get really imbalanced lineups, like there's a lot of single-A and double-A guys and especially pitchers. Uh, but the Jays put a pounding on the Phillies on Sunday in Clearwater, uh, went and caught them in between um, or the, the morning skate and the Jets game in Tampa that night. And then yesterday, they uh, obliterated the Boston Red Sox or some semblance of the Red Sox. They put up 18 runs yesterday. I'll say this, Huss, for all you fantasy baseball players out there, you might want to get Bo Bichette on your team this year because, my goodness, he looks he looks like he is ready to absolutely explode. He, he of course, signed that new three-year, $33 million contract. Uh I, I watched him have six at-bats. He hit the, the ball hard all six times. Two homers, a double, a single, uh, and a couple more loud outs. Like, he looks like he's ready to be a force. And the Jays, um, a bit of a different look to their lineup this year, a little more versatility. You know, they got rid of Hernandez and Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel, but they have a little more speed, a little more defense. And they've got some great pitching. I think it could be a great year for the Jays. It's the 30th anniversary this year, Huss, of their back-to-back -back World Series. Touch them all, Joe. That was 30 years ago. Could this be the year that they snap the drought? I say they can do it. Well, it, it was. Uh, it's certainly time for this team to, uh, you know, really make uh, make a statement. And um, I'm looking forward to it. It was definitely time for the Winnipeg Jets to make a statement. Yes. going into this road trip. Um, you were there for both games, Mike. I mean, I refer to the Saturday game as maybe one of the biggest white knuckle rides of the entire season. Um, and Mark Shifley with that brilliant, sharp angle OT winner got them as desperately needed a two points I can remember for this team in a long time. And then they backed it up with an even better performance against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you know, you've been there. What do you think of the games? But also, what has that done maybe to uh, 
uh, just relieve the the stress levels around a team that had been really struggling. It had seen all the work that they'd done earlier on building up their spot in the playoffs on the verge of collapsing. Yeah, I mean, the, the spirits around the team are just night and day. Uh, you know, the joy level, even at morning skate this morning, like, you know, being around some practices and skates last week, like when they were losing, uh, you you could tell that this was a team that was really feeling it and fighting it. And, you know, you're just seeing, whether it's in the dressing room after, like, look, food tastes better. The air is, is you know, everything about life is, is a lot better when you're winning. And the Jets hadn't been doing much of that. So to get two big wins, you know, in two tough buildings, um, and the way they got those wins, like you said, uh, you know, Saturday, all kinds of adversity, you know, they, they were up and then they, they blew a couple leads and, um, you know, had to kind of pull that one out of the fire against what should be noted is a team that might have been more desperate than them um, in that unlike the Jets, who, you know, are still in a playoff spot, the Florida Panthers are not. And, oh, yeah, they're the defending president's trophy winners uh so the fact that they pulled out you know the victory against an even more desperate team i think you know speaks volumes and obviously some of that confidence that they gained us carried over 24 hours later in tampa and you know while it wasn't maybe as as smooth as some would like and maybe you know at times again they put too much strain on their goaltender i like big chunks of that Tampa game. I certainly like the Tampa game overall more than I did the Florida game, the way the Jets played. I thought there were large stretches of the Tampa game where the Jets were playing a perfect road game. You know, they weren't trading chances like they were with the Panthers the night before. It wasn't five alarm, you know, fire wagon hockey. It was smart, safe, simple they kind of dumbed the game down a little bit. And I think that's the kind of game the Jets needed to play. And, and you know, when there were breakdowns, uh, Connor Hellebuck was there. And look, it shouldn't be discounted that they went in uh, to face a Tampa Bay team that, yes, Tampa Bay, you know, their playoff positioning is safe and they're going to finish either second or third. But they hadn't liked their game at all lately and they should have been a pretty motivated group. They're only one week removed, of course, from that entire top line getting benched. And I think the Jets weathered, you know, the storm really well. And and they did it without their all-star defenseman and their second line center. And that's really been the story here of the Jets season, right? Some of their best hockey, some of their best results have come when some of their best players are down and out. And it just seems like they rediscover the work ethic and the elements that they need to be successful. Now the trick, assuming they get healthy here sometime soon and, you know, get a bunch of these bodies back is to, to play that same way when they have a deeper, more talented lineup. Well, they'll, uh, <laughs> they're moving up another weight class tonight against they a are. hell of a Carolina team. Although we just talked with trip Tracy and I mean, they're in a bit. I haven't scored in two games, and now Andrei Svechnikov is out. Um, 
But I mean, we focusing back in on the Winnipeg Jets, there was a few things that really stood out, even in that game. And I mean, I will admit, this was no Picasso on Saturday night against the Panthers. There were some breakdowns. There was some puck management that still left you shaking your head. And, um, you know, a couple, you know, of those plays ended up going in the back of the net. Um, but a few things, the power play. I mean, I'd been talking all week about how the power play was killing the squad, Mike. I mean, they, yeah. you know, if you looked at the losses over the course of the past two to three weeks, one power play goal here or there could have easily resulted in two, three, four points in the standings. It didn't come. That happened. Yeah. I thought Nikolai Ehlers with his early goal and, he was just far more seemingly involved, more aggressive when it came to the puck. And, you know, we saw the rebound that came off of, you know, a, a one face-off, which had been an issue as well. I mean, there were a lot of things on right. a micro level that that we hadn't been seeing that came out that was all a big, big part of that first win. And then I think they really did build on that, continued doing some of those things, um, yeah. but played a much more complete and defensive game with everybody stepping up in the absence of Josh Morrissey, especially on the blue line. You know, just when you're ready to kind of write this power playoff and say, my goodness, are these guys ever going to get it together? They pull off a, a play like they did on Saturday, like that goal. <laughs> they went from their own goal line, you know, in their own end of the rink with the, with the puck on Josh Morrissey's stick to the back of the net, um, courtesy of, of Mark Scheifele, like that took, what, six seconds maybe, seven seconds? Great outlet pass from Morrissey to Ehlers, great zone entry by Ehlers, the pass to Connor, the pass to Wheeler, and then a really nice kind of one-touch pass to Mark Scheifele, who made no mistake. And, you know, that is one of those goals that just reminds you, Huss, how much skill the Jets have, high-end skill, in their forward group, and I would include Josh Morrissey, of course, in that, and talking offensive skill. And I suppose it's a goal like that that probably has fans, you know, they love to see it, but you go, well, why can't they do that more often? Like, where's that? Um, and yeah, you know, as Paul Maurice used to say, the other team gets paid too, and no doubt teams have found ways to kind of shut the Jets down. But I think the power play coming alive, and look, the offense in general, like they they had gone a stretch here where they really weren't getting a lot of production from anybody. And while you can say, okay, the secondary scoring, you know, while it's, it's nice when it happens, you don't necessarily count on it. They weren't even really getting any primary scoring. And so to see, you know, some of those guys, like you say, Ehlers, uh, certainly Shifley had a great weekend. Um, you know, the new guys, Nino Niederreiter has just been terrific. And Vlad Nemestikov, who, now finds himself at least temporarily as the second line center. And I think us, what we've seen, you talked about Nikolai Ehlers. There's some nice chemistry between Nemestikov and Ehlers. Um, you know, and I think that's part of why Nikolai Ehlers is, is looks like he's moving so well. That's been a good line. And the chemistry between Nino Niederreiter and Mark Shifley, like my goodness, um, we don't know what Mark Shifley's plans are. You know, obviously long term I gotta think though if you're Mark Scheifele you're really enjoying playing with Nino Niederreiter right now and at least potentially for next season assuming Mark Scheifele is still here he's under contract of course barring a move um, that's probably good for what his next contract might look like 
if he can get a full season playing with Nino Niederreiter under his belt. Well, Niederreiter's been amazing. I mean, he, you know, when when the the drought, the scoring drought was still going on, he was scoring. He's had a right. point in I think all but one game since he became a Winnipeg Jet. But I think maybe even more surprising has been Nemetsnikov and what he's delivered. Yeah. It was very clear early on that he had a knack for being in the right place defensively, and you could tell that Bones had a confidence in him to play with him. But you mentioned what he's sort of done coinciding with Ehlers, you know, um, breaking out of his, uh, you know, slump, if you want to call it that. <clears throat> I thought he did Malaise. the exact same thing in his first game with the Winnipeg Jets, playing with Adam Lowry and Morgan Barron against yeah. the Edmonton Oilers. And now even with Dubois out and the Metzgoff moving up, um, those two players have looked rejuvenated. And Mason Appleton, I don't know how many chances he could have had on, cool. on that game on Sunday. Um, he was a big, big part of the performance. Didn't have maybe some of the puck luck that you'd like to see to help him out. But that third line in the game against uh, Tampa looked as good as we've seen in ages, Mike. And um, and listen, this team isn't going nowhere if they can't get those sort of performances from the Adam Lowry-led line, considering of the matchups that they're playing nightly. There's a funny moment post-game on Sunday at Tampa Bay where we were talking to Morgan Barron, and I said, you know, Morgan, uh, in my eyes, that that's maybe the best game you guys have played all year as a line. And then when he went to answer the question, he's like, well, first of all, thank you very much. You know, very polite, polite Canadian. Um, uh, and, th and then he said, you know, yeah, I thought we played well, but I think we can be even better. Um, I actually had a, a nice one-on-one -on -one this morning uh, after the morning skate with Mason Appleton here in, in Raleigh. And I'll have a story on, on him coming up uh, in, in the free press in tomorrow's paper and online later today. But um, a, a little spoiler, I, I asked Mason Appleton, like, did you sleep well on Sunday night with all those chances and he kind of chuckled and said yeah I'm like it's great that I'm getting those chances but man I wish I could have buried one or two of them um, you know kind of having nightmares about what he missed and like he said hey at least we won the game it would have been a, a lot harder to fall asleep had we lost that game knowing the great chances that I had um, you know and I talked to Rick Bonus today about that line and and Appleton Barron and Lowry individually and that is a trio, Haas, that I think they're going to become even more important down the stretch. And certainly if the Jets punch their ticket to the playoffs like that, you talk about an identity line and, and forging an identity. Those three can certainly go a long way to to giving the Winnipeg Jets the kind of identity they want. And to extend and, and touch on what you just mentioned, I think guys like Domestikov and Niederreiter have, in their very short time, they've established a bit of an identity. Like, again, you talk about guys that play the game the right way, that play it hard. Nino Niederreiter, how many, he's been involved in about three or four scrums already. He's always in front of the net. His goal the other day on the rebound was because he was planted in front of the net. He's got a bit of an edge to him. And, you know, Vlad Nemestikov and Rick Bonus said this from day one, he's not the biggest guy. I think Rick Bonus said he's a tough little guy and, you know, fearless. And the thing that I love about the way he plays, it's all north-south. Um, you know, he's a straight-line player. You know, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. He's very smart as well. And he's got some skill and a little bit of bite to his game. So 
I think they've been exactly what the Jets have needed. And in a way, I, I think Niederreiter and Nemestikov, not unlike earlier in the year when you had some call-ups, like new guys in the lineup, whether it was Mikey Asamont or Christian Reichel or whatever, like I think the, the way those guys are playing has rubbed off on some of these Jets who have been here a long time. And, you know, it's caused them to maybe reevaluate and in some ways elevate their own games. And that's a good thing for everybody. No, there is no doubt about it. I mean, the, the Niederreiter acquisition and, and the price that was paid compared oh. to some of the others is, I mean, stands out amongst most of these, uh, most of the trades we saw in and around the deadline. And, Based on the results so far, the Nemetsnikov deal, um, not far uh, not far behind. Um, Let me just say, sorry, Hus, to interrupt you. I wonder how many GMs, first of all, it's not like Nino Niederreiter was actively or well-known being shopped around, right? His name wasn't out there in because he, he's not a UFA. He's not a rental. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I won't question what Nashville did here, but all they got was a second round pick for a proven, a proven, you know, top six NHLer with, with another year on his contract. Like how many other GMs when they saw that trade and now that they're seeing what he's doing with the Jets have gone, why didn't, why didn't, you know, David Poyle pick up the phone and call me? I could have, I could have topped that offer if I had known um, and, you know, it, it speaks, and we talked about this before the trade line deadline, right? Like, Kevin Sheveldayoff does have a sneakiness about him, just like when he obtained Paul Stasny in 2018. I know a lot of fans get upset. They feel that he's he doesn't do enough. Um, and I've been critical of, of, you know, moves maybe the Jets haven't made. One thing, though, you can't say about Kevin Sheveldayoff He's made a couple very quiet but very efficient moves. And Stasny in 2018, I think that was the one that was at the top of the list. If Nino Niederreiter keeps playing like this, Huss, the rest of this year and into the playoffs, and then the Jets have him for another year, um, and then who knows? I mean, if they're not in a playoff race next year, maybe the Jets flip him at the trade deadline and get an asset back. But whatever the case, or maybe they sign him to an extension. The fact is, this looks like an absolute steal. And I got to think there's some other GMs kind of gnashing their teeth, thinking, you know, why can't, why couldn't that have been my team that got him? We could have beaten a second rounder. No, you're uh, you're not far off. And I'm seeing comments. I mean, Dylan Webb said Nino's trade uh, looking like as good of a trade as the Stastny trade, maybe even better con- considering that it was a second rounder and not Eric right. Foley and a first round pick. And, uh, ZTM said Chevy talked about being opportuni- opportunistic on trade deadliner in that time, and um, that's exactly what they were, and they're feeling the uh, the rewards currently. Um, Mike, let's talk about the blue line uh, because, I mean, I said this to Remo at the start of the show. Um, you know, the team got that win against Florida, and, I mean, I'm sure the team felt it. The fan base certainly did. I was with a bunch of Jet fans watching the game, and, I mean, just the level of relief of just getting two points considering – you know, what had been happening, looking at the standings, there's Calgary, there's Nashville, um, was palatable. However, it was somewhat muted by the fact that there was major questions about Adam Lowry's availability and Josh Morrissey. I think it's probably best case scenario that Lowry played on Sunday and Morrissey's apparently a game-time decision tonight. However, 
Um, everyone on the blue line seemed to really step up in that game against Tampa. Um, Dylan Sandberg played very, very well, played more than Logan Stanley, did the penalty killing ahead of Logan Stanley. So it wasn't a surprise to hear that he's staying in the lineup, although we did hear today from Rick Bonus that it's Kyle Capabianco who will be going in if Morrissey can't go tonight. Just thoughts on the way the blue line played and, and where that depth chart is right now as we go into the rest of this week because it has seemed to be in flux, if you will, over the last couple of weeks. Well, to me, Huss, and, and you, let's start with Dylan Sandberg, he, he's number six for sure, at worst. You could make an argument, actually, that he should be higher than six. Look, he played he played the other day like a top four guy because they plugged him right in with Dylan DeMello basically in Josh Morrissey's spot. Now, he didn't do all the things Morrissey does. He wasn't quarterbacking the power play, of course, and certainly didn't play the 27 minutes that Josh Morrissey often does. But, you know, against a really good team, Dylan Sandberg didn't look out of place at all. And let me say this, Huss. I didn't understand why Dylan Sandberg was coming out of the lineup to begin with. I don't think he's done anything to deserve it. Let's hope this is the last time he comes out of the lineup. I I just don't think at this point he should be coming out. So Stanley and Capobianco, one one is seven, I guess, and one is eight. Um, You know, for tonight, I guess, Capobianco is seven and Stanley's eight. Uh, because, as you say, uh, Kyle is going to be the one that plays. I think part of that, Kyle Capobianco had a great game last weekend, and then he got a bit of a, a, a flu bug, and he kind of lost the opportunity to build off that that big game. Um, so I, I think there's almost a feeling that they owe him a game here, and I'm frankly a little, little surprised that it didn't come sooner. I honestly thought he might be in on Sunday because us – um, I didn't think Logan Stanley had a good game in Florida at all. I mean, the Jets were leaky on a number of fronts, and I'll put Neil Pionk right up there. Uh, I, I think Pionk, he's really struggling right now. Uh, and I would have said a few weeks ago that there's no chance, you know, Neil Pionk gets sat down, but I probably also would have said there's no chance Nate Schmidt would be healthy scratched, and he was for a game. I, I just think Neil Pionk's probably got a little more leash. You know, he's on the power play. So is Schmidt. Well, just let me quickly ask you: Did you yeah. not think that Pionk really rebounded with the absence of Morrissey? He was Again, better. I mean, he was a lot. I mean, better. he played Absolutely. almost twenty-four minutes. He played in all, and I know we'll talk about the goal that happened on the power play, and you know, people can debate whether that was he being set up by Blake Wheeler, Pionk. They both had a piece in it, but I mean, outside of that. It, at, yeah. Certainly at five on five. I mean, they played the hell out of him that night, um, often with Brandon Dillon, and um, obviously saw some pretty good results. And, and I think that's important for Pionk and the team, assuming that he's in the lineup and playing in the role that he is. Um, a game like that, I think, can go a long way for the confidence of a guy that, you know, I think probably was had some has obviously had some real ups and downs this season, to put it charitably. Absolutely. And so Saturday, I mean, where I thought Pionk really started to struggle was in that third period. But again, that was after Morrissey went down. And there was a a few shifts there, Haas, where Pionk was paired with Logan Stanley. Um, That should never happen again uh, because that was not good. When those two were on the ice together, the ice tilted and not in the direction that you'd want it to tilt. 
Uh, and you're right. On sun- Sunday, there was that one play, but that that was a grenade from Blake Wheeler. Um, initially, in real time, I-, I was quick to blame Neil Pionk. When I look back at the replay, it's like, eh, Blake Wheeler didn't leave him with a whole lot to work with there. Uh, but you're right. One thing I thought about Neil Pionk Sunday, Huss, like he came out on the first shift, tried to throw a big hit. And to me, I think Neil Pionk is most effective when he's engaged early and when he's, you know, when he's playing with a bit of an edge, with a bit of a snarl. And I remember saying to Weber on Sunday in Tampa, like after that first shift, I said, oh, you know, um, Pionk went for the honky tonk man guitar smash there right off the hop. Like that's, and I said, that's a good sign. That's the Pionky tonk man, Mike. The Pionky tonk man, right. Uh, some early engagement there. And, and I thought that that continued and for sure he stepped up. So, you know, for tonight, um, I'll, I'll say this. I'd be surprised if Josh Morrissey plays tonight, but folks, there's nothing to be concerned about. And I agree with you, Huss, almost best case scenario here. I watched Josh, Josh Morrissey up close this morning at the morning skate when he stayed out to put in some extra work. He was not holding back. Like, he was really, really testing that lower body. Lots of sharp cuts, you know, hard turns, push-offs and all that. And he was skating hard. I just think, and maybe I'll be wrong, you know, maybe he'll talk his way into the lineup tonight. I just think if you're the Jets you got to be smart about this. And, you know, just like I, I personally agree with the decision to not play Connor Hellebuck tonight. I know some folks on Twitter are up in arms that Hellebuck's not playing. I've even had a few people suggest to me that Connor Hellebuck should play every game for the rest of the season. And, you know, that's I'm just not, not far off from that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I get it. You want to, you want to ice your best lineup. I just think, you know, to, to use kind of the, uh, the cliche, sometimes you have to risk losing the battle to win the war, right? And we have to remember, you know, even though I know some folks live or die with every game, um, they, they've got to keep the big picture in mind here. And I think at times, us we've seen what a tired Connor Hellebuck has looked like, and maybe that's where he starts to spring a few leaks. I just think they're being very careful. And tonight, a non-division, non-conference game coming off a very busy weekend, you know, 83 shots, 77 saves, the best team in the NHL coming in on Thursday. You know he wants that game. And then two big divisional games this weekend that I suspect Hellebuck is probably going to play in both of them, especially now because he's played so well on the back end of back-to-backs. He's, in fact, won his last three starts where he's played two nights in a row I think he probably plays Saturday and he for sure plays Saturday in Nashville. Heck, that game could be a showdown for a playoff spot, depending how this week plays out. Uh, and then he may go Sunday as well. I think for Josh Morrissey, you almost have to have the same mindset. If tonight was a playoff game, no question he'd be in based on what I saw. But are you risking? Are you risking making it worse? And that would be the worst thing to happen, right? You you rush him in just for the sake of getting him in, and then there's a setback that now costs you something more than what tonight would have been. So I I think just based on the extra work I saw him putting in, I think he's not in tonight, but that he would be back in on Thursday. And I also expect us a very good chance, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's been skating pretty hard, I'm told, and I know some video has emerged of him skating down at uh, 
at uh, the Hockey for Life Center. I expect Dubois and Morrissey very likely will both be in the lineup against the Bruins. Well, that would be a good thing. Back to Helly for a minute, though. I mean, I think he's he's single-handedly blowing holes in all of these narratives around goalie rest and whatnot. I mean, w- w- when they gave him the game off against San Jose and played Dave, he came back with arguably his worst game of the season yeah. against Minnesota. And then after a very busy game on Saturday, and a lot of people say, well, they had a, you know, the games are different. If you have a ton of shots, maybe you shouldn't go the next day. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I'm sort of with you, though, especially now that we know, and I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with playing Riddick right now, knowing what's to come, because I think what's to come is probably hell about going three more in a row, yes. including those games on the weekend. And then... You've got the Coyotes coming in who were brutal on the road, very good at home, but have not yep. had much success on the road. Perfect time to put your backup in. And then Hellebuck can um, get a few more as they go, what, to Anaheim and to L.A. And then after that, there's two games in between a bunch of their games. Yeah. I mean, it's not as packed up as it is before. So I really do think the opportunity is going to be there. But considering how much he is play, he played on the weekend and what is to come, especially, and you know he wants to be in for that showdown with Linus Allmark and the Boston Bruins on sure. on, uh, on Thursday. Um, we'll go there. And I'll say this. This is a big game for Riddich because as good as he's been for the majority of the season, he had that terrible start then had a real strong stretch. Um, but the last two games, he's probably given up one that he'd like to have back. Yeah. And if you do that more often than not, you're probably losing. I mean, that is just one thing. I saw a great thing from Kevin uh, from Kevin Woodley. It's one thing to make all you know to make all the saves, but it's that when you don't make one that you should have eight or nine times out of ten, not only are those deflating, but often end up being the difference between winning and losing. And I would argue that the first goal against San Jose was there. I mean, the second goal that they lost the game against Columbus yeah. was one of those. And um. Uh, but I think back to a game, I guess it was the Pittsburgh game, uh, where the Jets were in Pittsburgh, and they were down a number of players, and Dave went in, I believe yeah. it was the second in a back-to-backs, because they had played Buffalo, I think, the night before. Um, and uh, he said himself, his wife could have made the, the the saves that he made in that because of how good the Jets were in front of him. But um, if the Jets can play the way... They have been playing, especially against Tampa, and maybe hearkening back to when some of those players have been out. Um, a win for the backup would be huge just to get Dave back in a good mind state, mindset because although I don't think he'll be playing a ton, um, every point is so crucially valuable right now that um, you can't leave any on the table. No, and to be clear, I think I think we'd be talking about Connor Hellebuck starting tonight, Huss, if the Jets hadn't already put four points in the bank on this road trip. And I'm not suggesting the Jets are now content and that they're just go- that they're waving the white flag tonight by playing their backup and saying, well, you know, we lose this game, no biggie. No, they're obviously trying to win tonight. I just think, though, that there's a little more comfort going with the schedule now that they're going to go with, uh, with, with two wins already on this, this road trip. Yes, they, they want to make it three for three, clearly, and they could use, like you say, uh, all the points in the world. Nashville's still right there. And, you know, there's a scenario, Huss, where if the Jets were to lose clean tonight and if they were to lose clean on Thursday and the Predators win tonight and the Predators win Thursday, 
All of a sudden, it's a two-point buffer, and they're facing each other on Saturday afternoon in Music City. And my goodness, would the heat ever be turned up? Um, you know, the Jets, they're very much in control of their own fate, and they obviously don't want to, to think about a scenario like that. But I, I do think that the Jets winning these first two games may have altered a little bit on how they approach tonight and the, and the next few games. Um, and you're right. I mean, Riddick, like, look, when you're a backup goalie, uh, you don't have the body of work to fall back on that a starter has. And you don't get the same, I guess, exceptions, um, you know, to, to a, a, poor goal, a poor goal or a poor game. And so I do agree that this is a big start for him. And I'm really curious, Huss, I know you talked to Tripp, like, I, I don't know what to expect from the Hurricanes tonight. They should be desperate be, and they should be surly because they've just been blanked two straight games. Um, but they're also, I know there's probably an element of feeling sorry for themselves because they just found out one of their best players may be done for the year in, in uh, Svechnikov. So, you know, are the Jets catching the Hurricanes at the right time? Or are they getting them at the wrong time because they're going to kind of feel their wrath tonight? I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out in a few hours. Well, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to the game. I cannot wait for Thursday when the Jets take on the Boston yeah. Bruins. And, you know, as I said, heading into the weekend, uh, you know, we were pretty down myself at the top of that list after the loss to Minnesota, just what that meant for this playoff race and did say – well, I mean, considering what has happened, maybe getting on the road, but particularly playing against really high-level teams is exactly what the Jets need right now. And um, they've gotten better through this road trip. They've gotten the two wins, a win tonight. They said that, you know, they were looking, I think it was Brendan Dillard said, we came out wanting to get six points, and they can do exactly that. But um, it's amazing what a couple wins can do for an atmosphere around a club, around a fan base, and just what it does for you in the standings right now, because as much as I think most of us, myself included, are still paying most attention to Calgary and to Nashville, um, with those two quick wins, they're now a point behind Edmonton, two behind Seattle, <clears throat> and they're much more in that group yeah. as opposed to falling behind everyone with a bit of a gap like they had before. So, uh, Listen, fingers crossed your travel will work out as well. What's the plan? Just uh, four stops on the way home from yeah, Raleigh or what? No, it's a, it's supposed to be Raleigh to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to Winnipeg. And I'll say this, Huss, I absolutely want to be at Canada Life Centre Thursday night. I don't want to miss that showdown between the Jets and the Bruins. Um, so I'm crossing my fingers. Oh, that... Hold on a sec. Thursday night. What about tomorrow night for AEW? <laughs> I, I know. Well, I know you are. A, you are a purveyor of sports entertainment, as are we. This is going to be unreal. So, Huss, uh, what are the odds? By the way, I'm flying at 6 a.m. tomorrow to Mini, and then I fly from Mini at like 10 in the morning. What are the odds that my flight from Minneapolis? is packed with AEW wrestlers. I, I can almost guarantee it will be because there aren't a lot of flights into Winnipeg these days. Most of these guys, most of these guys and, and gals, they fly in the day of the show and they're, they're going to want to get in early in the morning. I suspect there may be a lot of brawn on my, uh, on my flight tomorrow. I'll be sure to let folks know on the old Twitter machine uh, if I happen to spot 
uh, a few uh, brutes sitting. I don't know if they'd be flying first class, um, but uh, I suspect uh, a lot of the. It's not like they're being chartered in. They fly commercial. So uh, it could be an interesting flight from Minneapolis to Winnipeg tomorrow morning. And hey, hopefully I don't bring my bad luck to that flight uh, because uh, <laughs> if, if something were to happen. Cards and let's, subject to change. Right. Let's say we get rerouted to, I don't know, Denver or Mexico City or somewhere. Um, yeah, <laughs> it could be a long night, but uh, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, great stuff. I won't even get into my debate with Hamilton yesterday on the future of Connor Hellebuck. We will save that for another one. That'll be an evergreen topic on this program for about the next few months until we get into the off season. Um, but thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, we will definitely visit that one with you in uh, the coming weeks. I heard that that debate was extra spicy. In fact, hotter than my face right now, Huss. Uh <laughs> It, I look it was, forward to it was a good one. It was a good one. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how split a lot of people are on both what is possible, what the right. Jets should do. Um, as I said, <laughs> uh, hopefully, I mean, he won't have the opportunity tonight, but uh, come Thursday, um, Hellebuck will be back in the net going up against the best team in the NHL and probably have another opportunity to earn himself a few bucks on that next contract. Have a good one tonight. Thanks. Travel safely. Hopefully, you'll be yes. back in time for bell time tomorrow night. Right on, Huss. Enjoy the week. Good stuff. There's Mike McIntyre on the road with the Winnipeg Free Press. You can check out his piece today on the Jays as well as um, everything on the Winnipeg Jets as we continue this road trip. Um, great stuff. Thanks again to all the chat. Uh, by the way, we're over 420 right now in the chat. Go figure. Um, make sure you hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're new to the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel, we're here every day, 1 o'clock Central, live with the program till just after 3 p.m. usually, um, focusing on the Winnipeg Jets, Bombers, big news today around Bomberland is that the Grey Cup is coming back to Winnipeg for 2025. We sort of touched on that yesterday, but it has been made official. We'll certainly hook up with the football club in the coming days and weeks to talk more about that. Uh, but football season is just around the corner. And, of course, Princess Auto, I'm sure a big part of, well, the upcoming bomber season, probably the Grey Cup too, the way they've supported our city for all these big events. Um, and, again, a huge congratulations to the Manitobans at the Briar, including Team Reed Carruthers and, of course, Matty Dunstone, who, with his club, fell just short against Brad Gucci in the Briar final. It's all supported by Princess Auto, where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at Princess Auto auto.com um, our friends at Culligan Water are the water experts in Winnipeg and as a family owned business have been uh, helping Manitobans with their water needs dating back over 65 years uh, and they've got it all water softeners, filters bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions pop down and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue for all your water needs or give them a call at 694-5180 you can also check out everything Culligan can do for you and your family and your business if needed 
online at drinkculligan.com. And hey, a big cheers to the gang over at Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. For all you CC and ginger lovers, we certainly had a few of those at the Bomber Games last summer. Good news. They're now available in 473 milliliter single cans. You can pick those up at liquor marts and beer vendors. If you don't see it at your local spot, ask for it. And a uh, heads up, I know St. Patrick's Day is this Friday, starting next Friday. A big special on uh, Flash Special, one weekend only, on Canadian Club Classic 12-year Regularly $31.99, going to be on sale for $24.29. That's March 24th to 26th at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And this weekend is the limited re-release of the CC Chronicles 41-year-old, the 2019 release of the Chronicles series. Less than 100 bottles available. Found some extra cases in the distillery in Windsor. So if you're missing this one from your uh, collection, now's your chance to pick it up. Available on Saturday at Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, we've had a lot of hockey talk. This next conversation's been a long time coming. Um, we all know what Andrew Harris meant to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Coming here as a free agent, helping change the culture and winning two great cups uh, was a... It was a tough time, I'm sure, for him and a lot of Bomber fans to see him leave last year. But, of course, he ended up back on top of the mountain with the Argonauts as Grey Cup champion and is coming back for one more season. Let's welcome in Andrew Harris to Winnipeg Sports Talk to discuss. Andrew, what's up, man? It's great to have you back on WSD. How are you? Yeah, it's great to be back on the show. Thanks for having me, man. You know, um, as I said, it's been a minute um, since, obviously, we've had you on the program, but what a wild last year plus it's been for you. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about last season um, with you and, of course, the upcoming season, which you will be returning to the Canadian Football League again. But um, take me back to last year around this time when you signed with the Toronto Argonauts. I mean, you had finished back-to-back Grey Cup victories with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you've had, I mean, a Hall of Fame career, bar none. Uh, what was it that drove you back to uh, continue your playing career and uh, make the move out east to Toronto? Yeah, I think, um, you know, after after beating Hamilton and, and, and going through, um, you know, that, that off season and, and going through the holidays and then, you know, free agency came up and, um, you know, I, I always I always go through this process or have been in the last four or five years where, um, that R word is, you know, leaking in my head and in, in, in wanting to retire. Um, you know, I, I'll watch, I'll watch some old film and some highlights and, um, you know, I'll kind of see what's happening with, with who's, who's, who's coming back and who's talking about doing different things. And, um, you know, and then ultimately just, you know, speak with my, my loved ones around me and, you know, what, uh, what, what they think is best and, and, and all, and all that. And after whatever happened with, with Winnipeg and, um, you know, them want to go in a different direction. I had already kind of, had some feelers out there with some different teams. Um, you know, I, I I was talking with BC, I was talking with uh, Edmonton, um, Toronto, and um, yeah, I was just really just really kind of going over the options and and you know uprooting my life and my family again. And um, you know, I've had my daughter full time since I've been back in Winnipeg here. Um, that's one of the reasons why I came back to Winnipeg is to have, to have my daughter full time. Um, you know, the, the fact that I was having to potentially leave her and, and uproot her life was, was one of the biggest things that were, that was kind of holding me back and, and not wanting to do it. But after, after talking with her, you know, she's, she's in grade nine now and, you know, she has her own life and her own schedule now. And, 
Um, you know, my mom was able to, to help out quite a bit with her and, and, and obviously her, her mom as well too. So, um, you know, I was able to say, okay, yeah, Toronto is an actual reality. And, uh, you know, they were the one that's, uh, really was really supporting, um, you know, what I, what, what I wanted as far as financially and, and really wanted to work with me in a different way. And, and, um, no, I, I wanted to kind of test, test, test out the East, East coast as well too, a little bit. Um, you know, I lived in BC, Edmonton wasn't really, really that appealing to me, but, uh, you know, to go to Toronto was, uh, you know, very enticing and, um, yeah, so I made, made that decision and, and, um, you know, pinball was absolutely amazing with the whole process. Uh, you know, that guy just exudes positivity and, and charisma and, and, and compassion and, and, you know, um, what you see with him is really what you get. And, uh, you know, he made, he made the whole, the whole decision so much more comfortable and, and not went out there, uh, in February and, um, just got to meet the staff and, and, all the people in the locker room and uh yeah it, it just really felt like it, I, I made the right choice um as hard as it was to to, to leave here um, you know that that was that was bad definitely the best um you know to far the best decision going for for me um other than being here in Winnipeg you mentioned Mike Pinball Clements I'm glad you did because I did want to ask you about that it seemed very early on that he was very influential in helping you make the decision to head out to Toronto. And I mean, Pinball's resume speaks for himself. I mean, a Hall of Fame player, a Hall of Fame um, management individual, and the bottom line is a Hall of Fame person. Um, what's your relationship? Did you have any really relationship with Pinball before that? And how important was he in getting you to buy into what they were doing and um, and making you an Argonaut? Yeah, no, I I never even talked to Pinball before in paid until, you know, um with Pete Costanzo as a running back coach in two thousand twenty one and he was over there now as the receiver coach. So uh, he was my first contact and then, you know, Pinball called me within, you know, a couple hours after talking to Pete not to be interested in, you know, just, just the, the first phone call he was just It's Terry Song, you know, and he's just all uh, you know, you could just feel the excitement, right? So uh, yeah, man, it, 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 he was amazing, and uh, you know, he really wanted me to uh, sink my sink my teeth in my claws and with the team as soon as possible, and say, hey, like, oh, I want you to lead this team and be be a focal point of uh, what we're doing, um, not only on the field but off the field as well. So uh, we we had chats all throughout the season. I mean, um, uh, last year with Dark was you know the, the start wasn't pretty. You know, we we went through a lot. In the locker room, we went through a lot on the sidelines. He went through a lot, you know, behind closed doors, and um, you know, uh, and he myself personally, um, just with injuries and stuff. So, you know, there there was a lot of a lot of work with that team, and and a lot of things that we need to kind of shore up, and um, you know, but you know, we we were able, we were able to to get things put together and 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 do the right things at the right time um, to, to get to where we are, and, and obviously, you know, win, win that championship right at, at the end of the day. Well, I, I mean, as far as the season went for you, I mean, you got injured relatively early. And I mean, it was basically reported in most of the circles of the media that that was going to hang you up for the rest of the season. We know that that wasn't the case. I mean, did you think you were done for the year? And what were those couple months like when you probably were thinking about whether this was the end of the road? And how were you able to get back on the field come playoff time? And was that even a possibility when you first hurt yourself? Yeah, honestly, just the injury itself. You know, when I first got hit, I, it was a weird thing. I just uh, I got need uh, right right directly in my pack, and you know, I had the ball in that hand, and I had someone, you know, a beam lineman kind of forced me into into my my fullback's knee that was kind of uh, uh, held held up there, and um, 
I get off the field and I'm like, oh man, I'm okay. And then I, I, I was about to go back in the game and uh, I go to push off on someone and I, I had no power. I could, I had in, internal external attention, but I could not push off. Um, so we go in and sure enough, it's a torn pec. So I tore my pec in 2011 in March, going up, going out to BC. Um, Wally Bono called me and said, hey, you're going to be the starting running back. Um, you know, I want you to put on a little bit of weight. So I'm just in the gym pushing, pushing like crazy and, and, you know, I over, overdoing it. And I tore my pec in March, March 17th of 2011. Um, Pete McDonald, with surgeon here, he says, you know what, this is a six month injury. Usually, um, you know, you're probably gonna miss some of the season. So I was able to uh, work my way from then, um, back in, in three and a half months and, and get back in time for training camp. And ultimately, you know, we, we, you know, we start off with the season and and end up coming to be a coming starter and me win the great cup that year this year um you know get this injury in august and uh everyone's saying yeah you're you're six months six months and i'm like okay okay well, hold on i've done this before I, i've recovered the, i've recovered this and, and i beat this timeline before um i also i wasn't you know I'm, I'm not 24 years old like i was last time you know it's gonna be a little bit different but uh you know, there wasn't uh, PRP back then either. That wasn't a you know prominent um, uh, uh, form of, of recovery. So I did my PRP shot two weeks after, and and you know I was and it's supposed to be in the sling for three months. Had the sling off in like two weeks, and I uh, really just started pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And honestly, I, the option for me to come home and and you know be closer to my family and and do all that that was there. And I was like, you know what, I wanted I wanted to kind of consider that, but I was like, you know what, me being hurt here. Being on the team, keep locked in, or focused on you know, coming to work every day, getting this. And I said, I'm going to take this opportunity uh, to look look at the coaching side of things. I'm kind of be that player coach. You know, um, me there was there was a little bit of a divide between the players and coaches. I thought if I stuck around here, um, you know, maybe I could help shore that up a little bit. So after I, you know, got got those first couple of weeks of recovery. I started getting into the meetings with the coaches and and you know just learning learning the different dynamics of what what they're trying to what they're trying to do um, and how we can kind of approach this in a different way to, to reach the players a little more and um, and it was great because I got I got to know different positional groups during the season you you're really locked in on your running back group um, quarterback and all line a bit but you don't really get to get to know the defensive guys as much there's 80 guys on the football team so um, this also allowed me to kind of get to know the other guys in the team a little more and. Um, you know, and, and but ultimately, you know, being around the team and and having that camaraderie really pushed me, you know, to to keep pushing on and and getting back. And you know, um, I was talking to my doctor, and he said, "You're absolutely nuts if you think you'd be playing in two and a half months, uh, three months." And I was like, "Okay, well, you know, I'm like, I was also saying, you know, this is probably my last year, so I'm gonna rock until the wheels fall off. So, you know, if I get hurt again, you know, he's like, you're not gonna be able to play again. I'm like, well, you know, at least I'm gonna go out, you know, um." with the bang kind of thing so um as we kind of got closer okay we're playing the eastern final you know like hey you know we're we're one game away from the great cup and we're probably even playing winnipeg i'm not missing that game for the lightning so um you know we got we get we get closer to that game and and you know it's reality and then there's the the birth of my son which is two days three days before the eastern final which was a whole nother uh well i mean just touch on that for a minute because you know you work all season to come back um, you're ready to go for the East final and two days before Axton's born. I mean, what, what was that life like around you both on and off the field? Uh, I can't imagine you'll have a crazier 48 hours of a, your life. Maybe. 
yeah, it, it, it was nuts, man. And like, uh, just, just the emotions and, you know, um, being out for three, two and a half months, three months and, and, you know, getting back on the field, with my teammates back at practice. Um, and then, and my partners in, in labor and, and holy, holy shit, we're, we're, we're going after this and having my son right now. So, um, he was, uh, his due date was actually the day of the great cup. Um, so we didn't want to, we didn't want to have him, you know, me, I didn't want to, I don't know. I did not want to be there for the delivery. Um, so I'm like, Hey, we're going to get, we're going to try to push this along, get him induced, um, or get her induced. Um, so he was before and, you know, it all kind of worked out. We had a little bit of complications with it, but you know, it, it ended up all working out and, um, you know, sleeping on a hospital bed, um, you know, two days before the game or a day before the game was, was a little bit of an experience too. And, you know, dealing with that, but, um, you know, holding, holding him, I kind of thought it was like birth and rebirth, you know, I'm, 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 re I'm rebirthing again back on the field there. And it was definitely an inspiring moment, um, for me, uh, being back on the field and, and, you know, just having that moment, um, it's definitely something I'll never forget. And, and uh, it was a special moment. For sure. Well, it, it seemed like it was pretty inspirational for your Argos teammates as well to have you back out there. You move on to the great cup. Um, this way, I, mean, I can tell you on this show, I mean, when you signed with the Argos, I basically said, just watch, just watch. This is going to be Toronto Winnipeg coming up in the Great Cup. And sure enough, it was. Um, what do you remember about the game? But but also the lead up too, because I mean, your story obviously was such a major part of Great Cup week with you going for three in a row against the team that you had been a huge part of turning around and had just won two championships with. Yeah, I mean, um that that was an emotional week for sure. Um, you know, I was trying to trying to check it out as far, as much as possible and 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 just focus on another it's another game, you know, play another team. Um, you know, I think ultimately like everyone everyone is expecting Winnipeg to win. Um, you know, they got all the awards and all these different things and um but I mean, that that holds well for 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 my psyche. I mean, I like being the underdog. I like having everyone kind of count, count you out. Um, you know, I, I like that feeling and, and I think our team really, really relished that opportunity. Um, you know, and you could kind of sense that even on the field a little bit, you know, like there, there was a little bit of these guys, these guys feel like they, they they got this in the bag already, you know, just the, the, the just the way of just the aura about the whole thing. And, um, I think we really fed off that. Um, and you know, it, it went, went down to a, you know, there was so many plays where that game could have went either way and, uh, you know, no penalties, missed field goals, you know, just uh, when, when Greg caught that corner, I was like, oh, shoot, you know, it's it's over, right? But uh, had some faith and, you know, things, 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 uh, the football got you looking down on us, you know, and uh, and ended up working out. But yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely an emotional game. And honestly, even, even after the game, um, I mean, I, I obviously was celebrating my teammates as much as possible, but I, I had probably hugged more and more guys from the Bombers um, than I ever have in the opposition after after a loss. So, you know, um, I found my, my my best and the best guys on the team, and and you know, I had them all with them. And um, but yeah, it was just it was an emotional one, and and one I'll for, I'd never forget. Um, and I mean, gotta tip the hat to the to the Bombers organization. It's it's hard being. Um, on the on the top the top dog for that long and and and, and maintain that um, uh, dominance and and uh, that standard and and O'Shea's done such a great job of, of sustaining that and and keeping that group together and uh, you know they're going to be an absolute problem again this year so uh, you know and that's that's and and the CFL with the with the one year contracts and 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 so much movement to have that much. Um, uh, that, that constant uh, consistency with, within the, the roster 
is very impressive, uh, you know, and, and keep, keeping keeping that nucleus together that they, that they have. So um, that's going to be an interesting year this year too. Andrew Harris is with us at Winnipeg Sports Talk. So, Andrew, I mean, I think a lot of people almost assumed that you would be retiring after the year. I mean, you'd go out a champion. Um, but obviously with the way the season went and missing so much time, you certainly thought you'd still had something left in the tank. I mean, that tell us about, I mean, I bumped into you. We talked a little bit before free agency and you weren't sure what you were going to do. I mean, how did it come together? Who was the uh, the impactful voice in your head that said, you know what, let's do this one more time and and maybe tie that into your plans for after football because I'm sure there's lots to gain, much like you gained experience when you were injured last year with the Argos. Yeah, so even even last even last season, um, this Dinwiddie and Pinball are kind of already talking about about the next year and and saying, "Yeah, come back again, right?" And I was, I, 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 no, I just came through his injury, and and you know, um, uh, but they they ultimately said, "You know, we, we need you. We want you in this locker room." Um, you know, more more so than anything. I mean, what you do on the field is self-explanatory, but um, you know, this especially this year with you know losing losing a big leader like Mac. Um, and they didn't really know what was happening with that. They they were very um, uh, prominent on me wanting to be back in, in the locker room. So I I was kind of humming and hawing. And at one point, I was probably like 80%. I'm going to retire, uh, 20% coming back. Um, then I go through the whole process again, start watching film. And, you know, for the first time, I realized, you know, I'm like, hey, uh, I, have to, I have to accept that, you know, 2012, 2018, Andrew Paris is not what you're going to get this year, you know. He, you can see it from 21 to even last year. It's like you're not that same guy anymore. But are you okay with being on the field and not being that same player? Um, are you okay with you know maybe splitting, coming into training camp or splitting carries, or or maybe not even got to splitting, maybe getting you know 60 40 or 70 30? Are you okay with that? And um, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I can be okay with that. Um, I really love this game. Um, I really appreciate what it's giving me, and and uh, I still feel like I have something to give. Um, maybe more so on the leadership standpoint now than than what I had been in the past on the field. But uh, even on the field, I still know I can I can deliver in a certain way. Um, and I again, you know, go through um, other options and, and different things going on. And then seeing everyone sign back with Toronto, and you know, I was like, you know, I'm gonna give this one more shot. I'm gonna give one more year. But I have to come out and say I'm retiring after this year. I have to I have to do it, or else you know, all the these thoughts are gonna slip in again, and and maybe I'll play one more. And, 36 year running back is 30 to 36 year running back is is already uh, already up there but 37 is just that's just getting beer well i i mean listen i i think that um regardless of what the role is on the club it's pretty clear about how much they value you as a person as a leader um and how much a part of the team you were even when you were injured last year and um you know one of the other things that you were telling me before we got going with this is that and you kind of figured out what's going to be happening after football, and it does involve coaching. It does involve personnel. Fill us in on what you're going to be doing even before the season starts with your former junior team, the Vancouver Island Raiders, and how that plays into your football future after you've finished playing in the Canadian Football League. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, after being on the sidelines and, and getting a different perspective of, of the game, you know, I really, really got drawn into the, that coaching aspect. Um, there had there were some options in in the CFL this year to to coach uh, positional wise, um, and and you know next year there'd be you know some op- opportunities too. But uh, the opportunity to go coach uh, my junior team came up uh, in, in, on that ground in the Nidal. Uh, came up and 
that was something that's that was that was right now for this year. Uh, so we kind of worked out an opportunity for me to just take over a couple operations for this year. Um, so start working on coaching staff, uh, recruiting, um, just working on sponsorship and, and, and marketing, um, getting getting that team built back up. We were one and nine last year, and uh, you know we went from winning national championships, you know, when I was there to, to being one and nine. So a little bit of a turnaround and, and rebuild um, with that program. But uh, I'm really looking forward to, to getting back to the team that gave me my opportunity and really jumpstarted my career in the CFL. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's 17 to 22 year old men that are, that are, you know, just on, on, a, on a, on a change in their lives or and a transition in their lives. And junior is a very different dynamic. You know, we, there's guys that are just being lifers that played five years. There's guys who were, that's a step to stone to go to university. Um, you know, play one or two years and go to university. There's guys who play, you know, two or three years and, and then go play professional, um, or get that opportunity just like I did. So, um, and there's lots of guys who just, you know, want to go and get to the workforce. So for me, I, I really have been in being a driving force of wanting to impact people and impact people's lives. And um, I want to be able to impact um, young men's lives and and, and change, um, you know, some of the courses and, and make sure it's a positive atmosphere. So um, that's that's what that's what got me in, in, into where I'm at today. And, and I really became a man uh, when I went out there and I want to be able to push that forward and give back. So. This year, football operations, uh, while I'm playing with the Argos, and then after I'm done this season, I'll be back to Winnipeg to, to kind of shore everything up that I have here, and I'll be moving to Nanaimo uh, full-time by, you know, next year, January, February. Well, it, it's really exciting, and I'm happy that you've got that planned out, and it seems like a great opportunity, one where you can be very impactful with many young people. Um and listen, uh, I mean, it was bittersweet for Bomber fans to lose the Grey Cup, but I think that um, considering what you brought to this city and to the organization and the difference you made in those two previous Grey Cups, there was a lot of people that even with their team losing, felt pretty damn good for you. Andrew, it's going to be great to see you one more run in the uh, in the Canadian Football League. Can't wait for the uh, Bomber-Argo game this season. Uh, although I don't... Is it again you guys are coming to Winnipeg? No, we're we're there in September, September 29th, I think. Oh, okay. I, I remember seeing the schedule. It looked well. That that'll be a special one, I'm sure, for you and not for a lot of people. Um, but continued success, man. Congratulations on that third Great Cup, even if it was at the expense of our bombers. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up again really soon. And uh, can't wait to see you back out there. I'm really happy that um, you know, we'll get to see a little bit more Andrew Harris, but that uh, football will con- continue to be a big part of your life. I appreciate you, and uh, yeah, I mean, again, great job of what, what you've done with the show, and uh, you know, it's always great bumping into you off, off air. So I'm um, sure I'll see you around and, and take care, guys. All right, great stuff with Andrew Harris. Um, you, know, you can't help but feel good for the guy, even if it was at the expense of our uh, Blue Bombers. Um, and great to see him, um, you know, with the plan, staying in football, moving on but still getting one more kick at the can this year with the Toronto Argonauts. Um, all right, great stuff. A uh, couple things we should get to. Um, first off, shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you saw that uh, great custom cake Nick and Nikki made for us last uh, last week on the second anniversary, nothing makes your party or gathering better than a DQ or ice cream or blizzard cake. You can give them a buzz or hit them up on Instagram, actually, at DQ Manitoba. I'll uh, get it made for you uh, as you would like it, and you can get a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, including DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, 
Try those stack burgers. They're amazing when you get there as well. Um, one other thing, folks. Two, let's see, two weeks tomorrow is our second sports trivia night. I'm throwing this in the chat right now. If you missed it earlier, grab your tickets. Seating is limited for the event. We filled it last time. Uh, would love to see uh, many of you, especially the ones that weren't able to come for the first time. Um, we had some great teams. We had a lot of fun. And I guarantee you the beer is going to be amazing over at Little Brown Jug. In the exchange, great time to pop in and uh, maybe grab some of your favorite Little Brown Jugs to go as well. Um, but join us March 29th in the description. And if you're listening on the podcast, it's winnipegsportstalk.com slash links. The link is also in the description of today's YouTube show. So count yourself in. Questions are being curated on a daily basis, and we will look forward to seeing you two weeks tomorrow uh, over at Little Brown Jug. Um, I got to give a shout out to, I got to go back in the chat a little bit, but I think C. Balby joining us from Seville, Spain today. How cool is that? Shout out to all of our Spain listeners um, as well. And uh, I see we were all getting some uh, some uh, some action in the chat. Everyone, settle down, would you? And Oleg, stop spamming or you're going to get a Roscoe Pico train. I am trying to get amnesty for Roscoe's uh, YouTube feed. Roscoe, if you're out there, I'm lobbying for you. No. But the best way, the best way no. to get on the wrong side of the mod, which is the CTO Michael Remus, is two things. Fake news in the chat and spamming. And Oleg, I saw you going with marbles. That's definitely a yellow card from uh, from Remo. Um, this is not fake news, though, Remus. This is breaking news. We've been talking about the possibility of this throughout the show. The worst fears, uh, it sounds like, have been realized for the Hurricanes, who the Jets will play tonight. Knew Svechnikov wasn't playing this evening, but it sounds like he is done for the year. What a blow. They're a high-scoring, top first-line right winger out for the year. Yeah, they just reported um, Stephen Wino. He has it on Twitter. He's having ACL reconstruction surgery, and he's out for the year. Um, Season-ending surgery is right knee, over the rest of the regular season and playoffs. Crushing blow to the Carolina Hurricanes Stanley Cup hopes. Uh, that's rough, and as a, someone who has Sebastian Ajo in fantasy, uh, it's probably not good for for that as well. Man, crazy. Only 22 years old. Tied for second on the team with points with 60. Third on goals in 23. That's a big blow to them. And you know, they've already gone two games in a row now without a goal. Is this coming at the right time for the Jets? Will this be another letdown game? I mean, that's, well, that's you know tough, I mean? man. That's a, that's a real uh, you know, blow to the club, especially a team that's been all of a sudden having some trouble scoring. Um, you do one like I think this team will be fine and they'll still be a real tough out in the playoffs, but man, that knocks them down a notch, not having one of their most lethal scores in the lineup for the rest of the regular season. They're obviously a playoff team, but what happens come uh, come playoff time? As far as tonight goes, yeah. I do wonder what the emotional level of the team is because I mean they're not playing a big, you know, a rivalry game. They're not even playing a team in the East. It's a you know a team in the Winnipeg Jets that are coming there for their one trip of the year. 
certainly Rod Bod is going to be trying to get them back playing the way they normally do with some success around the net. Um, but this is a devastating loss for the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think see, for the like Carolina has handled Boston this year. They're the one team that's done that. Um, I have a feeling, though, there won't be too many people laying their ships in on the Hurricanes after this uh, after this injury. Yeah, you know, I point out that I had Ajo on my fantasy hockey team and Chevel Day off fantasy and chat points out that this is not, uh, it's not fantasy. This is real. And yeah. he is, he is <laughs> That's right. right. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. This is real. Well done. And uh, it does, yeah, that definitely um, hurts Carolina's Stanley Cup chances. I don't know if Money Puck has, like, updated the odds to the second here, but, I mean, we talk about Boston adding guys, Toronto adding, New Jersey adding, and... Carolina, who didn't add a major score, you maybe needed scoring, had already lost Pacioretty, huge blow. And that's got to be tough, uh, tough for them. So um, we'll see if they, how they bounce back tonight against, against the Jets. I'll say this. I'm still high on Carolina, even with this injury. And I think we might be getting some great value on Carolina going forward because I think a lot of people will be off. Speaking of the odds, let's quickly get to the cool bet lines for today. And uh, the Jets, no surprise, an underdog. Now, the, earlier this morning, I checked it when I got up, and the Jets were plus 160, and the Canes were minus 190. Uh, I guess the announcement that it'll be Big Save Dave instead of Hellebuck has further moved the line. Canes now minus 204 favorites, and the Jets plus 172. Lots of games tonight. Devils minus 134 at home against the Lightning. Uh, Rangers minus 157 faves against the Caps. Vegas minus 185 favorites in Philly to take on the Flyers. Penguins a big 340 favorite, minus 340 against the Habs. Uh, The Detroit Red Wings plus 140 in Nashville to take on the Preds. Preds minus 165. I'm not sure if the Wings are done and have packed it in after that rough week they had last week, but uh, I'll say this. I'd like to see them win tonight. I may have a little sprinkle on the Red Wings, although they're not part of the parlay for today. Uh, Blackhawks plus 370 home dogs against the powerhouse Bruins. Boston will come. Who knows? Maybe Brad Marchand and the Bruins will be at AEW tomorrow night. Um, oh, man, that would be, be in Winnipeg. Hey, you want to talk about a heel? Brad Marchand is that heel. I, I'm positive he's a wrestling guy just based on some of the things that he's said in the past. So uh, keep your eye out. Maybe we'll hit him with the chair, put him through a table or something like that. I kid, I kid. Um, Oilers and Sens going at it in Edmonton tonight. Edmonton, a big favorite, minus 196. Ottawa, plus 165. Flames and Coyotes. Uh, Coyotes have been great at home. They got absolutely caved in by the Flames, though, the last time they played in Arizona. Big opportunity for the Flames to get closer to the Jets. Minus 253 is the line on the Flames. Um, Dallas... Playing back-to-back, they won last night in Seattle. They're going at it against the Canucks. The Canucks have been great lately. They won four or five in a row. Vancouver, plus 122, underdog. Dallas, minus 144. And the late game, Kings and Islanders. Kings, minus 130. Islanders, plus 111. And, uh, oh, we do have the Sharks and Blue Jackets in a game that means absolutely nothing except for the draft lottery. Sharks, minus 145. And the Blue Jackets, plus 123. Um I do for my daily pick. We didn't get the tide, the draw yesterday. Going back to the well, 
Remo, let me ask you this. I haven't told you this. We have not spoken this before. If you were going to pick a game tonight to go to overtime, which is the game on the on the docket? Um, Islanders Kings. Boom. I'm with you. That is the daily pick for cool. <laughs> is that, was that your pick? Yep. That is it. <laughs> that is it right now. Uh, and if you do want to jump on that, there um, you got to take the three way, the home tie away. So draw plus three twenty. That's the pick for the daily pick. But I also did a little exclusive today, which if you hit the exclusive, you'll see the lock shop partner parlay. Um, three games money line. We've got Vegas golden Knights over Philly. We've got Rangers over Washington, and I'm taking the Canucks over the Stars. Dallas played last night. They're going right back at it. Vancouver will be rested. Vancouver's on a real roll right now, and there's nothing that will infuriate Canucks fans more than another win, which is why it'll probably happen. So um, this one was plus 460 when I put it in. They got a nice, juicy boost to plus 530. So if you like the parlay, Vegas, Rangers, Canucks, it's plus 530, way better number than you get manually. Get it over at the CoolBet exclusives. And if you haven't played a CoolBet before, when you make your first deposit, use the promo code WST. Hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Um, I'm fired up for this game tonight, Remo. And uh, man, I cannot wait. This week is going to be so much fun. Big game tonight. Tomorrow, the AEW event that I know a lot of people in the chat are geeked for. And then, uh, man, you want to test yourself uh, in the National Hockey League? Bring the Boston Bruins to town. They've beaten just about everyone. What a great test that's going to be for the Jets. And, of course, Connor Hellebuck, who we assume will be starting after Big Save Dave gets the final game on this road trip. Oh, yeah. Big week here at the show. Jets, Hurricanes. I'm hoping for a win. Um, shout out to Isher Boy. Bruce said he just got tickets to AEW and... I am. I'm with you on this uh, cool bet exclusive too. Uh, I like the Canucks on the mound. They've been good since Demko's been back. So, um, yeah, big night, and you know, people are asking us about Morrissey game time decision. Although Mike really didn't seem optimistic that he would be in. We'll have to wait and see uh, the game time. So be tuned in at what half hour before the game for warmups on Twitter and. Yeah, Mike and Ken will have all the information from uh, the the ground. I'm sure Mitch Clinton might also put something out from the jet circles, and uh, the guys will be back to do it all over again. And then a 6 a.m. flight tomorrow. We'll see whether I would. I know Mike's a huge wrestling guy. I would be surprised if those guys aren't at the arena tomorrow night, and uh, they'll certainly be there on Thursday as the Jets take on the Boston Bruins. Uh, one other injury that we didn't mention, Arturi Lekkinen, Remo, out with a broken hand, sounding like four to six weeks for Lekkinen. That's a big loss. That is a big one, and he was a huge pickup for them last year uh, at the deadline and you know played a huge role going into going on to winning the Cup, and this year he's played uh, you know top six role, top line role, 49 points in 62 games. Uh, these broken hands, that's... That's a, sorry, broken finger, four to six weeks, and he's having surgery. That's it. I mean, they're battling injuries all year. Colorado, Landeskog hasn't come back. Nikushkin's been out. Um, McKinnon was out at times. McCarr out, and you think you get everyone back, and another guy goes down. So they're gonna be battling this uh, all all year, I guess, uh, in Colorado. Yeah, uh, you know, big players going down like the host Hurricanes have had with um, Svechnikov out certainly does not help the cause. Although the Jets weathered 
The Tampa Bay Lightning without their all-star defenseman Josh Morrissey will await to see whether Mo is in the lineup tonight, closer to game time. Um, did you see Connor McDavid last night? Uh, was it last night or the night before? It was last um, night at the Junos. the Junos. They did not go in head-to-head versus the Oscars uh, on Sunday, so big awards. But yes, McDavid, man, he looked good in a suit. Looked excited to be there, which was a shocker for him, Hus. Not exactly the guy who shows the most emotion out there. Um, presenting Nickelback with on Canada's Walk of Fame or Music Hall, whatever it was. Hall but of Fame. He inducted into the Hall of Fame. Proclaimed his love for Nickelback um, there. So loves him. Grew up with him. Part of his many memories. Here's uh, the good. truth. Everybody loves Nickelback. However... It has become cool to hate on them. So there's a lot of people that claim that they are better than everybody else. I don't like Nickelback. And the minute one of those songs comes on, they start to get into it. And then they catch themselves before people see them actually enjoying Nickelback. Because they are Canadian music icons and now Hall of Famers. Yeah, I think people were not on board with the song he said that was his favorite song on the red carpet with E.T. Canada. I'm trying to remember what it was but i, I was he not said the song. rock star and it was rock was it rocky yeah, i think it was rock star right yeah and then he said his dad's favorite one was i'll be honest i can't remember what all the songs are called but you know them the second that you hear i'll give you my favorite nickelback song and i one of my friends texted me he wanted to go to the show too i know they put on an awesome show so i didn't see them when they were here in uh was in like in 2000 i think for silver Side Up, which is an amazing album. Every song is good. Um, but I'll say, well, I like Hero, actually. Does that count? Does Hero count? Do they play that Hero? one? Yeah, with Chad Kroger from Spider-Man. Did he say that? That's Come like on. That was like the top song. That's the word. That's like saying, that's like saying, what's your favorite Brian Adams song? Oh, the love song from Robin Hood. No. Well, I can't say Hero. That is an <laughs> well, elite you song. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I like, uh, what about so how many other you remind me, remind me, acoustic version. I like that. That'll be good. Too bad. I like every song on that album is good. Silver Setup. Uh, Money Bot's pretty good. Never oh, again, man. You're making me feel nostalgic. I remember seeing Nickelback back at the zoo. Yeah. Oh. On, oh. on Osborne, just as they were getting going. And now it's making me think the zoo is now demolished. They're finally building something there. I'm not really too sure what it is. I'm sure it's a multi-use building with some condos and some nice street front stuff. <laughs> I will I will always miss the zoo. Um, but there's still a few good dive bars in this town that I can go and do my thing at. Um, so anyways, we, should, we wanted to mention McDavid being part of the festivities. Apparently some lady uh, ran, on the, ran on stage while Avril Lavigne was... Uh, oh, was getting her uh, award, and she told her to get the F off the stage very forcefully after she wanna... won the Fans' Choice Award. Avril V. Nickelback? What year is this that these guys are at the awards, Hustler? But, yes, hey, you need some viral moments for the Junos and having someone run on stage and Connor McDavid doing order. The crowd was fired up there in Edmonton for McDavid, so... Well, and you know what, Edmonton, that is Nickelback country too. I mean, I did see a thing, the Oilers were coming up. They said, what's your favorite Canadian music act? And there was a few Biebers. There was a couple Drakes, but Nickelback, I think, did win. Um, They were the number one most popular 
popular Canadian act amongst the players of the Oilers. I guess they probably gave them a few, a few choices. Um, there's so much going on in the NFL right now. Just before we go, there's I, we can't too get much. To Hacksaw's going to come on. I got to talk to yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. We'll 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 chop it up with Hacksaw, with the best of. <laughs> However, I'm sure you guys are all paying attention to the Aaron Rodgers drama. No. Um, well, Rodgers, Trey Wingo yesterday said that basically it was done that he was going to the Jets. That obviously didn't happen. But Diana Rossini from ESPN. Uh, earlier today, by the way, it was reported that the Jets were about to sign Alan Lazard, former Packers receiver. Apparently, Rodgers did meet with the with the Jets in person, and Rodgers provided the Jets with a wish list of free agents he would like them to target and acquire, including Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Mercedes Lewis, and Odell Beckham. It is funny, though. I mean, you know, you had Garrett Wilson, the offensive rookie of the year, some other talented weapons on that Jets offense. All they did was complain and bitch and moan up through friends and sources about the lack of weapons that he had. And now he's going to go to the Jets, and the first thing he's going to do is bring Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb with him? Uh, it, never, it never ends. And uh, as they say, Aaron Rodgers, Field Yates with a great, uh, great text. Aaron Rodgers is attempting to win his fifth NFL, NFL MVP and his first NFL executive of the year. This is the LeBron James mode of being both player and GM. And um, I don't know, part of me th wishes that he would just go back to the darkness retreat. But um, hey, go for it, Aaron. Welcome to the AFC where the real quarterbacks are. We'll see how things uh, we'll see how things go for the New York Jets uh, if he uh, if he shows up there. Uh, again, pretty interesting how the Packers are so willing and hoping to get rid of him to the Jets, and it's not going to be for like a ton of number one picks. It'll be get rid of the contract, get a little bit of compensation, and then they can move on without Aaron Rodgers. And I think uh, it certainly sounds like everyone in Green Bay is very much ready to do exactly that. Yeah, Rogers to the AFC where the big boys play, right? If we're using uh, wrestling things. Um, just a couple shows. Uh, Huss, you got uh, Leighton Janice. Thought it was funny. You dragging mixed-use buildings. <laughs> and, and I'm getting getting heat in the chat for uh, saying Hero was my favorite Nickelback song because it's not actually a Nickelback song. It's a Chad Kroger song featuring Josie Scott, but I don't care. But I do like a lot of. I I just like that. Uh, that I guess Remus, it's obvious. Album. Remus is more a ballad guy. I mean, that when was it a, comes that down was like to the all number the one song when it came out, it was everywhere. That was yes, the best. Yes, I know. Song. And I mean, and then they the just copied reason, it. Sorry, go. Well, I mean, that's the reason why I brought up the Brian Adams. Like Brian Adams had all these great rocker rock songs and bangers through his entire career. Then he goes and does the sappiest. <laughs> sappiest ballad of all time in that Robin Hood movie and because the movie's so big it becomes this massive song and to me is the worst ever representation of Brian Adams music although I think he did sort of go pretty soft later on but this is a guy that had cuts like a knife summer of 69 I mean all that so that that to me hero is Nickelback's uh, no. Everything I what's, do, I do it for you. What's the difference between Hero and like Someday? And what's the other one? Um, photograph. Hero's just the original one of those. <laughs> Come on. 
I don't know, photograph. The, be the best thing, by the way, just to finish this up, we all remember the video of the photograph where he goes, look at this photograph. And yeah. he's, holding the, he's holding the photo and people change it all the time. Yeah. Well, it was the picture of Connor McDavid and you know that famous, that Asian couple hugging him, that older couple hugging him at the airport. That's yes. what was in the photograph when I've Chad Kroger was doing it on that. Oh, that made the rounds. Uh, made the rounds yesterday. Um, some great. <laughs> oh my God, the chat, the chat is on fire right now. Some uh, <laughs> some good stuff. Yeah, you can clip that. Winnipeg song talk. What well, is the uh, is is the, is the uh, Juno week? We had to do it. I was going to say, for the record, I do like Brian Adams' one album, Reckless. I think that's a pretty good one. And I thought you were going to bring up not the song from Robin Hood, but the song he did with Mel C from the Spice Girls. That was, That is a good one by Brian Adams. Uh, what is it? Uh, when you're in love. Oh, I forget. Oh, baby, yeah. when you're gone. When you're gone. Okay. That, well, that was with one of the Spice Girls, huh? Yeah, with the Spice Girls and the Spice Girls. Uh, when you're gone. Great song. Great song. Yeah, I mean, it was another hit. Brian Adams has a million hits. I will say, I mean, I kind of thought that he got a lot more. Uh, uh, well, listen, he was a real rocker at the start, and then it yes. got a little, a little lighter. Good for some easy living, uh, easy <laughs> listening, uh, adult contemporary AC rock ra music radio formats. But hey, everyone, everyone loves Adams. Everyone, even if they don't admit it, loves Nickelback. And um, what a fun way to finish up. Yeah, Raiders, Remo singing Katy Perry, Hustler singing Nickelback, Tikona Pauly, like any good Transconian, giving a vote in the chat. Don't forget about Kim Mitchell, everyone. Hey, we'll turn the patio lanterns on. We will get ready to go. And uh, by the way, Remo, just before we go, because we do got to get this pot up. It's a game day. People want to get it before the game. Um, we're now a two days in to daylight savings. Oh yeah. I'm already in on this yesterday. It was light at like eight o'clock and I woke up this morning and it was still sort of dark and I figured it was way earlier. It was actually after seven, but that's fine with me. I don't mind if it gets dark a little bit later. I am just pumped that we now for the next, however many months are going to have tons of sunlight at night. It is, it is such a game changer to, uh, at least to me, I, I find that it makes a huge difference with just what I want to do, whether I want to go out. Um, I feel much more energized. And uh, as I said, I can handle if you're going to keep like, if people don't like a time change. We got to keep it where it is right now for the whole year. I like see what we people wanted me to like rent. I like that it changes. I think it fits the place we live. I think if you had it all year. I don't when, disagree. Wouldn't it be too dark in the morning? Like, I don't know. I don't. It's just something you got to do. The time change. Like, maybe it sucked for like a day because I have kids, but I don't know. Like, you get, you adjust and move on. I like, I don't know. I, I like the time change. I'm, I think we got to do it. That's just where we live. And I, I think in the summer, you have to have daylight savings. Sometimes you get those long evenings. Um, oh, it's the best. I mean, to be able yeah. to, I mean, I remember I could finish my shift at six o'clock, drive out to Breezy, tee off at 630, and there's a good six weeks where you can get a full 18 holes in. 
um, before the end of, uh, you know, before 10 o'clock or right around there. So anyways, we're back in the good goods part of it. Um, and I'll tell you what, we've got a lot to a lot to enjoy. Some good nights this week. AEW tomorrow, Jets Boston on Thursday, St. Patrick's Day on Friday, Jets Predators on the road in the afternoon on Saturday. Governor's Friday night accordingly for that one. And then another big one on Sunday night. So uh, lots for us to talk about here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Enjoy the game tonight. Tomorrow is AEW Day in Winnipeg. We'll have some fun with that. And, of course, have full reaction to tonight's game. Um, and Murata Tesh is a real interesting piece on The Athletic. Looking back to the deadline, some of the narratives around it, um, and asking a question if he was wrong. So I can't wait to talk to him about that. We'll also, of course, get to tonight's game. Um, thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Thanks to Trip Tracy, Mike McIntyre, and, of course, Andrew Harris. Folks, enjoy the game tonight. See if the team can come back with an improbable sweep of this three-game road trip. And then back tomorrow to get ready for the Boston Bruins. Uh, for Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast feed and on the YouTube channel. We'll catch you tomorrow for a Wednesday edition of WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.